Yeah. That's what it is. It's not saying like, oh, if you work at a fast food place, that's stupid. And haha, can you believe you worked at a fast food place? It's great that you work at a fast food place. That's yeah. a job. That's dignity. But yeah, my job. Funny. Yeah, my job journey is very succinct and themed, which makes me be like, I should try new things. But maybe you should try being a podcaster. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I am Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 73. We are back in the house. Back in it's the house. Been it's been a just, time. It's just a conversation. You know, we had two interviews mm-hmm. and now it's just Scott and I back at it. This is the heart and soul of the podcast. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and we're having a very classic No Small Thing topic this evening. But honestly, like, think about it because... It was the last time it was just the two of us sitting here talking was gender. So even that was a heavy topic. Very heavy topic. So it's heavy. Then it was Enneagram 2s. Then it was two interviews. Mm -hmm. And there just has not been this sort of light get together talk and just chat. And that's, again, really the true. We're all the things. But yeah, this is (laughs) this is the heart of it. Tonight's topic. You've already clicked it. So you know the title. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it is Jobs. Yeah, there is something very entertaining about choosing a very generic topic. It's something that we all can relate to, mm-hmm. I think. Everyone I mean, has a job. Even, oh, I guess, well. unless you're a young folk or... <laughs> In uh, college or a high school student, I guess. But even I know, and maybe some people heading, don't heading ever have a job. job. I mean, there's some people out there who probably don't have a job, which I don't think there are in our audience. But. If you're a high schooler who's, who's thinking about having a job someday, <laughs> this will give you some thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, here we are. A middle Why? schooler. Maybe there's middle schoolers. Yeah. I mean, there, I, I don't know about that, but. I'm trying to think, well, we'll go through our job journeys, but I think I was probably in middle school where I first had like some job-like things. So. I, I mean, no small thing, truly, our lives center around our jobs. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to pause mm-hmm. and take a step back and think about yeah, I think, I mean, it's one of the first questions you ask a person or mm-hmm. like when you're getting to know a yeah, person. Yeah, no, it's true. It's somebody the Somebody says, oh, I do this. And like that's, Good point. that's how you're seen by others often as your first thing in the world, which I think is, it is very fascinating when it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a preschool teacher. Like someone then assumes a lot about a person when you say true. that kind of thing. I try not to ask that question because it's a little bit like, talking about the weather, like it is a very cliche thing, but sometimes it really is the question that's genuinely on my mind. I know. And it does give you some insight into that person's every day. If they are working a job that's every day. I mean, regardless of how much I'm a person outside of my job, it is where I spend most of my waking hours. Mm -hmm. Like when I like put the numbers to the like table of your week, it's like a lot of hours are spent at a job. Yeah. If you're working a full-time job, which another there's an array of jobs <laughs> <laughs> i i know i know I, I i think also like i think about the way that question is framed because isn't it interesting to think that i think the most standard way of asking that question is what do you do mm-hmm. which is a very odd question i know i guess actually. a person could answer creatively yeah like oh i 
I hang out. I do I, yoga. I hang out. I listen to music. I yeah. paint. Yeah, I but do what this. do you do? I'm like, you know? well, those are the things that but I those do. Those are the things I do. What do you What do you I do? Hang for out work? with children. And then you ask them, where do you get Where do you get your money? Yeah, how do you have money? Where is that coming from? Which that's another thing that's completely wrapped up in jobs is yeah. it's you work to get paid mm-hmm. so you can live, live and then do what i don't know it's very <laughs> confusing i mean it's very confusing. i think i think this is the thing okay okay so now we're this is an intro mm-hmm. we're going to give a slight outline here yeah okay. it's a a casual episode tonight mm-hmm. sitting around talking Shooting the shit. Scott said a cuss word. <laughs> um, um, okay, we're going to give our journeys because we love our to give journeys. our journeys. We do. Which, okay, I think I probably say this sidebar about half the time we do journeys, but I think it's a fun practice mm-hmm. to invite other people into. Absolutely. Is to take a topic and think about how you've related to that topic in the journey of your life. It yes. gives you a nice a, ability to see maybe the meta narrative of mm-hmm. your life thus mm-hmm. far, fancy. which it's a fancy word, but it's, it's a, a cool snapshot of a part of your life. Yeah. It's been fun for us to do this practice. So I think when we do it, it's also an invitation for you to be thinking about your journeys as well. Your yes. job journey. Yes, exactly what you said. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so we're going to do our journeys. And then I think we'll do popping off, but we, which basically means we're just going to <laughs> spitball about and riff about our thoughts about jobs. Yeah. Which is what I'm already feeling compelled to do. I want to start talking about it right now. But um, again, if you're listening in on this and you're like clicked on this and want to hear us talk about jobs and you're like, I don't need to hear about these guys' journeys. Scott, True. journey, whatever, blah, 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 Macy, <laughs> journey. I want to hear some popping off. I guess... Probably skip to like the 40 minute mark, I guess. Yeah, just skip ahead till the lo- yeah. you find it. But maybe you want to hear the journey. <laughs> I don't know. We're doing that first. Scott, I already know some of Scott's previous jobs. And in leaning into banter, I will have to make fun of a few oh, of please. your jobs. No, yeah, no, no. I mean, it will, that, that, that will be some good content. And, and, and for me to talk about this, again, is supposed to be like a teaser of sorts. But right after the break, we're going to get into my job journey. Mm-hmm. And it's been a... a, a I don't know. I I have a hard time. I don't want to say a silly job journey because I don't want to like. Yeah, like, minimize your experience. Yeah, or 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 what if somebody has that that job right now? I don't. Want, all job has dignity in it, but like, people are not j- making fun of the actual specific job. Oh gosh, we're all so freaking sensitive. <laughs> so many other podcasts can just be I harsh. Know, I know. We have a hard time. Scar and I are trying to be a little bit more bantery, but it's I'm hard. always too sensitive. But right now, you're getting sensitive. I, I do care so not has to the hurt jobs people's feelings. I have the, these are a job is has dignity in it. We have to say that all jobs have dignity. Yes. Um, it is it, so. It's not necessarily making fun of the job. It's making it's it's okay. Let me say this. I have some. I have a specific way I want to say this. It's um, having fun thinking about me in these spaces. That's right. And that's also and, true. And, and how my, uh, you know, cluelessness and my overwhelmedness, you know, <laughs> it, it, like uh, bashed up against these experiences. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not saying like, oh, if you work at a fast food place, that's stupid. And haha, can you believe you worked at a fast food place? It's great that you work at a fast food place. That's yeah. a job. That's dignity. But yeah, my it's job. Still funny. Yeah, my job journey is very succinct and themed, which makes me be like, I should try new things. But maybe you should try being a podcaster. 
Oh. <laughs> Zinger. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything else in this intro? Well, I just say I think a philosophy behind no small thing. And if you guys listen to our Peter Rollins episode, I mean, he almost said it better than we say it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is essentially he was highlighting that everything is connected. So there really is mm-hmm. no small thing. Because mm-hmm. you could take a plastic fork and riff on that and how this is important to think about where it came from and how it impacts right. all of us. And I think jobs obviously are huge and monumental. And I do think part of our mission, this is just another placeholder, I think. Like it has to do with what we're doing here on the podcast. Is this a job? Is it work? Is it vocation? Is it mm-hmm. a calling? What is it? What are we yeah. doing here? You know? And yeah, and how do jobs fit in with the larger system of capitalism and like what is there you go. The system that's make forcing us or asking us or requiring us to have a job. We are in order to survive, you must have a job in the way the society is set up or mm-hmm. have some extenuating circumstances. And it's that's not common. True. As usual, better said. <laughs> I'm like, that's 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 the words I was looking for. <laughs> well, there they are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, questioning the whole system in which this whole thing arises. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously, from my understanding, been pretty standard for people to have jobs. But I am aware that there is a class of people that don't really need to work. And that's an interesting mm-hmm. proposition. And how did they get to that state? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and then there's also, like, this sense of, like, job agency that some people have versus job agency that don't people some people don't have. So, like, we can sit here and have our conversation about our job journeys, but we had some agency in our True. jobs. As were some people, maybe Another in situations where good point. a job is more laborious or mm-hmm. labor and less of the vocation or job that we are thinking of just by nature of circumstance. Just like there's a by. huge range of kinds of jobs that there are. And I think we're only going to really be able to, especially in our journey, speak to our own experience. But like, I never was, it never seemed like a viable option for me to do like a labor job, like a task oriented mm. job, mm. just by the circumstance of how, where I was born and mm-hmm. the situations I was put in. So Honest, sincere. <laughs> Vulnerable, reflective, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, here let me let's make the point even clearer. Here's here's a really good image if you're if you're wanting to get on the 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 ride with us tonight. <laughs> um, I just watched this documentary about Bill Gates, one of the wealthiest people in the world. Is okay. he the wealthiest? One of I think Jeff Bezos technically is now the wealthiest, but these people both live in Seattle. We are we from, which is very interesting. But so he'll, here's Bill Gates. Billionaire, billionaire. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much billions, how many billions, but um, this documentary shows that he gets essentially into his office every day at six a.m. They talk about how he's always on time hmm. to all his meetings. He has a very rigorous schedule. Hmm. He continues to read like several books a week. Hmm. One of the highlights of the documentary is his admin has this little bag that she's packing constantly with his books that he's reading hmm. which of course I'm just in love with <laughs> but this is this is this highlights this sense of vocation or calling like yeah this person doesn't have to work and I have to be honest to say and I don't know what this means psychologically about me but I, if I had a billion dollars I would disappear entirely and just not do anything yeah and I don't I know if that's true but I I feel that and yeah where he person. is like it's probably because of that very nature that he's reached the billions that right. he has. Good point. And yet it's also like, dude, 
Genius. You're on time. I mean, he's like, a, I mean, that's a sweet thing. That says a sense of like, that has oh, a yeah, sense I mean, of ethics and morality. Like I'm on time right. to my meetings. I have a problem with, I have a hard time being on time. So I'm like, if you don't have to, like if you're a billionaire that can do whatever you want, but he's still reliable and dependent and on time yeah. and he wakes up and goes to these meetings. <laughs> like when I'm just saying he has a sense of purpose. Yeah. Well, know? I mean, there's something really, I don't, I don't know. This is like a weird sidebar that we're not talking about Bill Gates, but it <laughs> makes me like, I'm like, well, at least he's like, t- like thinking responsibly about like the things he's invested in. Like he's, it, it sounds he's like truly he, invested in this whole thing in the long haul. Yeah. And I think initially he was, he got rich off like the energy of creating this software that everybody yeah. bought. But now, he seems to be motivated by like these projects, which is like solving the problem of sewage in the world, but also solving climate change and solving these big things. And he's kind of obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I need number do you think he is? Oh gosh. He, I mean, obviously it seemed like a five to me, but. Oh really? Oh yeah. I mean, maybe a five wing six, you know, hmm. are you saying he could be a one? Well, maybe a one. Yeah. Maybe a one. Potentially eight. There's it's like reserved eights. I mean, when you heard about his childhood, oh. the whole childhood thing that was like he was always in his room with his books and never wanted to come out. Hmm. So whatever that means. So must be a five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't like a glutton or out like partying yeah. or challenging. He was just like. I don't know. Bookish. Bookish. Anybody can be bookish. It's true. Not just any grand fives, but. I was going to ask another Negro question, but I won't go on this tangent. I mean, he definitely Jaws. seemed like the type of person that was like holding up in his room to get as much information as humanly possible. Yeah. I'm now just on this sidebar of like us studying the Enneagram. There's <laughs> something that I read about like your, as a child, you show often as the number that you integrate to. Oh, interesting. Or something like that. Interesting. So like a four may often show like a one, which does actually make sense for me as a child. Which would mean a five would show like an eight. Oh, well, it eight. makes sense that I showed as an eight growing up. Oh, interesting. It makes then, a lot of sense. Then an eight would show like a two. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. That That's a Where sidebar. Where did you hear that? That's a I big, forget what podcast. Big, mind-blowing thought to me. I know. It's made I think me about, think a lot about things. Yeah, I think about that for myself a lot. I'm like a five. Like I wasn't all like holed up in my room growing up with books. I mean, I had those moments, but I was more out like sassing people right and me as a child I was much more like doing things like well and I was very mm. like success one being good oriented one-ish? one-ness okay that's a side enneagram tangent we like the enneagram that Welcome could one day no be our thing. job okay <laughs> <laughs> when we come back we're gonna we're share our, our journeys. journeys uh anything else uh, that's it when we come back I'll do it right now gonna try to do a quick scott journey and then we'll try to do a quick macy journey Mm -hmm. this is this is this is a uh an invitation to reflect on (laughs) jobs and journeys and also maybe a chance for you to like chuckle alongside us as we talk about our 
jobs. Yep. Dignity yep. in all work. So that's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. I'm balancing like trying to banter a little bit and trying to laugh. Yep. And also trying to say right off the bat, just know Don't there's dignity in all work. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so here's my journey. There was some babysitting jobs yep. early on. I think every you kid babysat. Has that. Yeah. Okay. And that's rare, I think, for boys, mm-hmm. typically. Typically. Mm-hmm. I had a, a two younger boys that I babysat, um, Trent and Tyler. Shout out to Trent and Tyler. <laughs> we had a really fun relationship. And it was natural because I was the oldest of two brothers. Yeah. Three boys. So I had two younger brothers. So I felt very natural for me. Mm-hmm. I won't get into that. It was nice. Good memories, Trent and Tyler. Just making, and, like, light money. Mm-hmm. Parents and I think have gone the word out. got out. Yeah. I was a pastor's kid, so I think I felt naturally... Safer. Some people safer. So I was like invited over a lot to, I will say this for a funny story quickly. Mm -hmm. There was one time where the family dropped me off. Mm -hmm. The mom dropped me off after babysitting. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. I went to bed and then woke up like two or three days later and realized this is, you'll laugh at this because it's a classic Scott thing. It's like, they didn't pay me. That's so (gasps) weird. Oh no. So I was walking around talking to my parents. I'm like, what do I say? This is awkward. I don't even know when I'm going to get it. We didn't have a consistent schedule with this family. And then I saw them at church like three weeks later and I had like big worked up big time for this encounter. And I was like, I'm going to tell them this feels so awkward. Yeah. I I think I would have let it go. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you forgot to pay me. And they're like, no, we didn't. We gave you the check right when you're like on the car. It's probably in your pants pocket at home or something like that. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. And I went home and it was. It was. I was like, I just didn't realize it's so me. I just have this brain from the beginning of time. I'm just very kind of forgetful and spacey, That is so funny you know? that you wouldn't have checked there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't. I, do, I think I told myself I don't remember them handing me the check. Yeah. So you were so just like, I didn't even no, think to look. No thinking yeah. to look. Yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So that yeah, took a lot of courage to do that, though. I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I would. No, I uh, would have let it go. Yeah, oh, shoot. They forgot to pay me. Whoops. Um, so then the first job I had, everybody, announcement from Scott, was at Wendy's. 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 And uh, my mom had How come home. How old are you? I was about 15 and a half, like as early as you could get a job. Okay. And here's my life growing up, everybody. Went to church, and Sunday after church, we went to three different places. And mm-hmm. if any of my friends listen, and my family especially, they'll laugh and clap at this. But I either went to Wendy's, Taco Bell, or there was a place in Kent where I grew up called the Golden Steer, which was the Gronholtz family staple. It was like a funny little Denny's-type diner. But Interesting. it's like, it is a Kent staple. I don't know if it's still there. I the think Golden it is. Steer. The Golden Steer. Wow. That was our family spot. <laughs> These are all really, you What know, kind of food would you get? Oh, it's like bacon and eggs. Okay. You know, like that okay. type of stuff. Hash browns, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Fruit, toast, coffee. <laughs> Breakfast. <delicious. laughs> Breakfast. But oftentimes it was Wendy's. And my mom developed this relationship with this manager. His name was Floyd. <laughs> and he ended up calling me and was like, your mom thinks you'd be a good fit here. And I was like, okay, Floyd. And I went and interviewed and I got this job. And uh, I remember like I had to watch this VHS training and it was like, learning how to make the burgers and it was called uh white white red green it's like white red green is the name of the game oh my goodness green is our claim to fame i was just like this is a catchy song but it was like white red green had had several meanings white red green was onions tomato lettuce and then mayo ketchup relish uh let's see is it green yeah Maybe it was relish. I don't know what else would have been green, but white, red, green was like the, the order you put things on. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. White, red, green is the name of the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like our training. 
But I didn't get to start making those things. I had to start with like warming the buns <laughs> and I had to start with like making the fries. So I was like in the back warming buns and making fries all the time. I couldn't work the register. And there's a few times where I got to like actually make the, the burgers and stuff like that. Was it exciting? Uh, no, I hated it. Okay. I ha- absolutely hated it. Okay. And I felt completely, I'm, I'm not good at tasks, everybody. Yeah. I'm not good at like assembly line tasks. I watch my son who's 15 now and he is good at assembly line tasks. Mm-hmm. He understands quickly. Mm-hmm. He can focus. I get very distracted. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm not joking, but even at that time, I got racked wrapped up in the existentialism of the whole thing. I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be making buns in the mm-hmm. back or warming buns. I'd be like, what is this? And who am I? What am I doing? <laughs> I'd get lost in thought. He'd be like, come on, come on, come on. You got to go fast. There's no time for that. Yeah, and you're like, you know? wait, but what is a bun? And, I, and then I'm wanting to turn <laughs> to the person next to me and talk about their life. Oh, how are you? What do you, what do you, oh yeah, you go to that school. Okay. And I was like, Scott, Scott. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh. And yeah. they, I mean, they literally have a clock in that place that's showing the time of how quick you're getting the food to the person in the drive-through. Efficiency doesn't seem to be on the forefront of your no. mind. And it's not just because I undervalue it. It's just not something that I'm good at. Yeah, you're you not know? paying attention to it, at least. No. no, no. So I just remember being a very hectic, stressful environment. Like, I mean, I mean, if I'm just trying to describe the f- sounds and sights and smells, it's like a lot of yelling, a lot of <laughs> screaming. A lot of boiling oil, <laughs> you know, a lot of like, you're like caked in oil, then you get like a 15 minute break and I'm trying to stuff myself with a double stack and <laughs> it's just like chaotic. <laughs> I think that this is like fun to hear because I think that some people would look back at this kind of like working at a rest, like mm-hmm. a fast food restaurant with like sweet nostalgia. Yeah. Like my mom and her sisters all worked at McDonald's and, mm-hmm. and they all are like, say the little jingle, a jingle. Oh, yeah. And they like love it. They're like, oh I worked at McDonald's. McDonald's and they like seemed they seem to have this like sweet nostalgia around mm-hmm. it not you well as not I'm Wendy's. talking I can get like um sort of mouth watery about Wendy's food because mm. I do really do like a, a Wendy's like a chicken sandwich or something like that but even after working there I was like I still like Wendy's food that's but, nice uh yeah that was my first job I can Kay. go I can go no we're not going we're not no. going more into Wendy's yep the next job was uh JC Penny did you quit Wendy's? Yep. Okay. Because I got this offer at JCPenney. Okay. And I was like, that's superior. Yep. And at the time, even back then, guys, I was into clothes mm-hmm. from a very early age. I was like, okay, this will be a chance for me to be in a clothes. One of the things I liked about JCPenney was, well, first of all, it was it was a JCPenney in Kent. I don't know if anybody's listening. Do you know what JCPenney is? Like, yeah. Okay, oh, so it's where my grandma shop. Oh, going yeah. to Penny's. Exactly. Penny. So so there was that vibe. Like I was the youngest by like 20 years. Yeah. So I don't know oh, what yeah. I was doing working there. I know getting into fashion, Penny's doesn't feel like the right place for getting into fashion. I think as like I was probably like 16. So I was like, this is my opportunity. Like yeah. it starts here at Penny's, yeah. you know. Um, but again, it was that overwhelming sort of sense of efficiency. It's like the cash register. I mean, the cash register was very overwhelming to me. Numbers have always been overwhelming to me. Um, but I liked that I got to wear my own clothes. So there was <laughs> a sense of like, factor. yeah, there was an up, instant upgrade from Wendy's in the sense of like, I had to wear a Wendy's outfit mm-hmm. to, to work there. But like JCPenney, I, at the time I could wear like my polo and Tommy Hilfiger outfits. Like you didn't have to wear Penny's clothes. Mm-hmm. So I, I was always very proud of the outfit I put together. Young preppy Scott. Were you yeah. preppy? Oh, very preppy. Yeah. Heavy yeah. preppy. Wait for it, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just one, I had this like really cool red Tommy Hilfiger coat that I loved to wear into work and then take off when I got there and put it back on when I Ooh. got, you know, Ooh. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can sense it. <laughs> 
But even then, it was like I could get really into managing a section of the store, mm-hmm. like the men's department or the Levi's department. Like they had Levi's, which is like a name brand, which I kind of like. But mm-hmm. like a lot of that stuff was like St. John's Bay, which is a JCPenney brand. Yeah. Like, I'm walking around folding things and trying to talk to customers. and um, But I would get sort of, this is sort of an introvert vibe, but I would get focused on folding some clothes <laughs> and managing my, the, 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 the cleanliness of, of it. Yeah. 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 Instead and, of like attending to customers. Yeah. There's a customer over there, you know, I'm like, Oh crap. And this customer. Oh, but I got to get yeah. this fold. Yeah. Look guys. at this. Look at my, look at my area here <laughs> to this day. I'm still very sensitive about going and messing up someone's like little section at a department store. Oh you know? yeah. That's kind yeah. of you. Yeah. So then same thing. Penny's, Many, 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 many stories aside, the one little story, I think it really threw people off. And I didn't have the social awareness at the time of like how this would look. And now I, I look feel like you've maybe told me this, but I want to hear yeah. it again. During my breaks, it's like, it's like how we think about Steven Universe now. Mm-hmm. I was just obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. And I had a VHS and we had a VHS and you could watch whatever you wanted in your break. And so I would bring my copy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. And I get a thirty minute break in the evenings, and I'd I'd get a like a, a <laughs> Cindy's laughing. <laughs> I'd get a like a, a little Debbie cookie, and I'd and some Coke, and I'd watch yeah. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Now, if you think about like I'm the youngest by like twenty years, I think a lot of people are like, who who the heck have we hired here? Who's this kid? No, watching? it's like so sweet. You <laughs> got your cookie and your I Coke, no and idea. you're I watching. I wasn't like I'm doing something cool and edgy. I was like I'm. I'm happy. I'm watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. <laughs> I have 30 minutes, so I'm going to do yeah. this. That is so funny. <laughs> you would bring the same movie every time? I mean, I probably worked there for like four or five months, and I worked there maybe twice a week. So okay. it wasn't like every day. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. You watch it in so increments. Oh, cute, sweet Scott. Did you have just your natural hair at this point in life? Yeah, I didn't dye my hair until college. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's go rapid fire here. Then, then left pennies. There was a guy named Bryce at my school heading into my senior year, who worked at a movie theater, and he was just pumping it up. It's mm-hmm. like oh. this really great opportunity. And Some people a, do that in these yeah. kinds of jobs. They're like, "It's the best." Yeah, and I was and like, like, "Oh, that sounds really great." It's probably just their attitude. Well, and the way he was describing it is like, if you work there, you get free movies for you and a date. And oh. I had a girlfriend at the time, and he was like, "You can choose to work concessions or ticket booth." Ticket booth sounded nice for me because it's like you go in waves. You sit there until mm-hmm. people are buying tickets, but then you just sell them the tickets and sit there. Yeah. And then during my breaks, I got to go watch movies, which I was already doing apparently. True. <laughs> you know? So it was like I get a 30-minute break and you could just go watch a movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember at the time I'd go get some uh, Burger King chicken strips and go watch a movie for like 20 minutes. I know all the movies that were out at that time that I would go watch. You know. I mean, that's probably that's a fun yeah. like high school job. Yeah. And at the time, I would take my girlfriend for a lot of free movies. Yeah. Anytime. Free movies. That's pretty, that's a good hookup. Yeah. And then here's one other little thing about me and my personality, my temperament. I got offered the opportunity, this is senior year now, to get paid overtime, so double, mm-hmm. to come at two in the morning on Thursday nights to put up the marquee. Did and you do like, it? I was like, oh, if that's how, I mean, essentially, I think. In my memory, you had to work like 20 hours a week to keep that job. Like yeah. to, to work here, you have to work at least 20 hours a week. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll knock off like six hours by doing the marquee on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And 
it was all by myself. Yeah, that's a great. So fun. Yeah. It was dark, just me with these. I mean, it's really goofy if you watched it. If you had a clip of it, it's like these little suction things. I'm <laughs> putting up the letters and trying to spell it and slapping it up on this marquee. And this is just a story for me and my own self <laughs> and and God in heaven. But like, there was this payphone. <laughs> and now all of us. And and yeah, and and at night sometimes I'm just sitting out there, literally all by myself. This payphone would start ringing. <laughs> And I'd just be like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> and then every once in a while, I'd be like, I'm going to try it tonight. I'm going to answer. <laughs> and I'd go answer and be nobody there. I'm like, what the heck is going on with this payphone? That is creepy. Yeah, nobody had cell phones at the time, you know? So it's like, I don't, uh, payphones were like very, still sort of a thing. And I'm like, I'd just be putting up this marquee at night all by myself, you know, 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, ring, 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 ring. And I'd be like, what? I already felt it? slightly creeped out. Yeah. So you just try to get over that. And it's like, all of a sudden, this payphone is ringing. <laughs> <laughs> and you would answer and no, never was there anything? Yeah, no, no, no. Dang, no, 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 no. Yeah, dang. that's creepy. That's lame. Okay, that that's my journey aside from my next little string of jobs, I'll just tell you. Okay. In college, I, I was more retail, so I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. Classic. A kinda, classic Scott yeah. Preppy college move. It is. It is. <laughs> and then I worked at J. Crew. J. Crew. A bunch of J. Crew jobs, yeah. And these were like um in, through college, it was like Saturday work at Abercrombie and then like summer work at J. Crew or something like yeah. that. I, I want to make fun of you for it, but I also understand it. There's just stories you that... You can make fun. Uh, it'd be funny if you did. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be good content. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time... What do you have time. to say about Abercrombie? I, <laughs> I mean, Abercrombie just has like weird like policies around their models and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. their hiring and mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm like... Abercrombie is a little sketch to me, but I also, I mean, I shamelessly sh- would buy random items at Abercrombie in high school. I mean, it was mm. like mm. Some information you buy Abercrombie say. to be cool. What's something you'd buy at Abercrombie? I think I had a pair of Abercrombie jeans at ah, one point, yeah. and I think I had like a few shirts at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of low-key coming back right now. It's it is. Been, it's been hated on for like, I feel like the last 15 years, yeah. appropriately. Yeah. But it's slowly... Inching its way. Like, you would have been made fun of 10 years ago if you wore something Abercrombie. But now if you so. wore something Abercrombie, so. you'd be like, oh, Abercrombie. Yeah. I know. It's no. It's definitely no longer cool. Yeah. Although maybe I guess it is. Um, it's it's a shoulder shrug right now, I think. Yeah. Both of, uh, the thing is, like, J.Crew Crew is a good place to work. It's just not where I would shop. But I'm like, right. you know what? That's nice. You probably got nice clothes from J.Crew. I know, I it's where your preppy to... style probably oh. like truly came to fruition. Yeah. It's like you're making the retail money and then you're buying their oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. You just basically spend your day working and thinking about what you want to buy there. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I've never worked in retail, so I like can't imagine it, but I think I would want to buy everything. Yeah. Like if I worked at, if I worked at Hot Topic, Can I you would imagine? buy all the things. Not just Hot Topic. Those jobs places. were better suited for me, maybe just because I liked... The product? I, 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 I like the product, and I think at the time, I mean, we're talking about, like, Scott as, like, a 20 to 23-year-old or whatever, but not even that. 20 to 22-year-old tops. Uh, probably really indulging in the, um, I don't know what word I'd want to use, um, the image of the whole thing. Well, yeah, if you work at Abercrombie, that's, like, I was oh, caught up in that. I was like, yeah. I work at Abercrombie. You know, my friends would come. And see me at Abercrombie, you know, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're here. (laughs) Check me out. Pulling these shirts, Abercrombie is different than Honey's. (laughs) It's a very different energy. Yeah. Did you have bleached hair at this point? 
Yeah, that time <laughs> definitely. It was really and earrings. So and now earrings, we guys picture Scott's bleached rings, hair, earrings, rings, and his ring. I that. love it. Yeah. This is this like gaudy, preppy Went Scott. All in. Yeah, Went yeah. all in. You know, I mean, was basing my entire look probably off of the Abercrombie catalog. You know, I'm sure. Side note, and this will be the end, I think, of my journey. Aside from everybody say after this, essentially, I went into full time. Which ministry. that's a huge part of the journey. Yeah, we can say that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We can. That's true. I don't want, but but this is good. Um, one of my favorite things about I worked at this Abercrombie in Redmond. So everybody's living in the Northwest Redmond Town Center. I worked at, and in college it was very. There, I don't know the policies, and again, like I don't pay attention to details like this. I just kind of, so I don't know how it is now. But mm-hmm. like essentially, if you want to be employed by these people, you do need to work a certain amount of hours. Mm-hmm. And even with the marquee thing, I think I was always looking for a loophole of like not having to be work like a normal person. Yeah. yeah. So like the, the idea at this Abercrombie Redmond was like, it was essentially my memory is like, you had to work at least 10 hours to be employed or hmm. you're like not worth it. So my friend Tony and I would go in on Saturdays around six and we'd open. So it would be like, you get there before it opens, you do all the prep work and then you work for a little bit before you go home. But that's like essentially got in all of our hours. That's just Saturday. in that one day. Yeah, yeah. Just got it in. And then we get the discount and we get the, you know. <laughs> so you're doing a pathway for the perks. Oh, mostly for the perks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but I do remember if everybody knows Abercrombie, there was like this, um, deer head or something or like a goat head. I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the middle of the store, you know, it's like a centerpiece. Yeah. And it was really funny. We did have a funny manager and we were, we got all in on this. And it was essentially like, he did it to us and then we started doing it to other people. But there was a pet store across the street <laughs> and he told us that there's like, the pet store has a special brush to brush no. the deer head and we have to go get it. And they were in on the joke too. So it was like, it was almost like an initiation. Like you go ask for the deer brush and probably as they're giving it to us, they're looking at him across the street and laughing. And we get, he's like, yeah, it's a really important thing. Like for the rest of the day, you really just need to make sure you brush the deer. And we're up there on like a ladder being like, and it's like completely nonsense. Like nobody needs to brush the deer. And then he's down there laughing and like pointing out. That is so funny. Yeah. So then we got in on it. It's like any new person was like, my friend Tony and I were like, oh yeah, you got to go across the street and get the deer brush. And and they'd get it and they take it very seriously because they're new. And it's like, then we just sit down there and laugh at them. Oh gosh. That is so funny. (laughs) The pets where people are like, oh, here they come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, they were so in on it. Gosh. So funny. Here's the deer brush. Um, okay, so, now the heart, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I want to combine uh, some humor and getting to know Macy and Scott in this with, like, I mean, I went to college to study theology. Yeah. The study of God, everybody. And then study, like, sort of, Macy and I were both educational ministries majors. So mm-hmm. that was studying educational techniques along with, like, how to interpret and study scripture, the Bible. With like human development as yep. well as like just like church mm-hmm. piety kind of us. Yep. Yeah, so that's what I was studying and I started, you know, volunteering with Young Life and then I started getting internships at churches. Then the summer really turned into that like full-time work with different churches as an intern and then mm-hmm. started becoming fully employed at different churches and organizations. I started off with Young Life. Yeah. Which you had to... <sighs> What campaign for your own money? Yeah, that was really hard. I mean, that it was really draining. So I think I spent most of my time raising money. 
Yeah. And it's like, this is not what I got into this for. But I mean, my, my journey essentially ends and begins with, I got my, at the time and still is, I mean, it was a dream job. Like I was living here in Seattle and this church, like right by where I lived had an opening. It was the ideal church in the ideal situation, ideal setting is everything that this church is ideal. Like, we're talking ideal. about Bethany at this point. Yeah, yeah. Bethany is my <laughs> shout out to Bethany. I mean, it, it is a beautiful church still to this day. It is really shaped who I am. And also it happens to be about a quarter of a mile from the college I was going to. Mm-hmm. It just, it was a perfect situation. It did. Yeah. It didn't yeah. require much moving. It felt if like seemed right, yeah. right away. Yeah. Were you married to Marissa by the time you had got the job? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was part of our thing is I was working for Young Life in Bellevue, but we were living in Queen Anne. Hmm. And so we would walk by Bethany on like a Sunday and we'd say, we'd see all, all these people coming out and be like, that looks just like such a nice church. Like, what if they had an opening for a youth pastor? And then they ended up having that and I applied. And there it so, is. The rest yeah. is history. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Macy can appreciate that like many of our professors went to that church, which is very alluring yeah. to me. You know, yeah. I thought that gave it some credibility. For sure. it's It has a good reputation, yeah. I would say, as being like a very sweet, relatively small congregation that is like very thoughtfully engaged mm-hmm. at the time you know, and the world, which was obviously appealing to me. <laughs> no, not anymore. Yeah. Okay. So you were there for how long? I worked at Bethany for 11 years. Wow. Wow. Oh wow. yeah. We're going to get into this part of my journey. I, I don't want to take too long. But I know, like, but I think this is, I mean, this is the most Formative, probably part of your journey. Yeah, if we're talking about jobs, everybody, I should say this. <laughs> like, we're we're we're, ta- we're tr- when we do the popping off philosophizing stage, which again won't be too long tonight. Like, we're we're talking about like the difference between a job, if there is one, and then like a, a vocation or a mm-hmm. calling or mm-hmm. a work. I don't. I think there are some differences actually, but I think so too. I think you could you could separate the things I just talked about in this sort of fun, entertaining way, and then talk about the church job yeah. as more of me stepping into my calling, what I sense mm. to be a calling, mm. what I sense to be like the work that I'm here to do. Yeah. I'm not here to work retail. Maybe some people are, and that's great. Yeah. That's not what I sense that I was here to do. Yeah. And to be honest, I still feel like I'm here to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still feel specifically called to uh, work with teenagers, you know? Um, it's so it's a sweet calling these, <laughs> these children they need people yeah the most vulnerable i remember because i mean i studied youth ministry too i mean scott mm-hmm. and i like have very similar like collegiate backgrounds mm-hmm. but i remember when my professor was just talking about how like difficult of in like challenging of a calling it is to work with teenagers but it is like such a vulnerable like marginalized population that not many people feel like they want to traverse that. So to yeah. want to do that is just, yeah. it just, it does show how everybody does have different ways they see how they should act in the world. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know it's challenging, but so rewarding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good, interesting, social, emotional work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I worked at Bethany for 11 years. It was a beautiful, sweet time. What, in my life. what were some of your favorite things about working there? And doing in those times there. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I mean, maybe that'll be an episode someday. I'll try to be quick. But, like, I think for me personally, in terms of my personality, 
And in terms of anybody, it's not my personality, anybody. Bethany is the just sweetest, safest, most mature worshiping community. So the most, I I mean the most, whatever that means it's in the top, you know, but, um, I came right out of the gate out of college with this really big, like achieving energy. And I'd gone to conferences and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm coming to do big things. Mm -hmm. And Bethany's big thing is like, if you want to succeed at Bethany, if you want to be affirmed and celebrated, you cut back and you rest and you have small goals, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like they're, they're all about your health and your spiritual um, health and your physical health. And and they're, they're not just that for their employees, but for their people. So it's just about living a very holistic life. So for me to get sort of unintentionally caught up in this community that was like, like, for example, I, in my sort of youthful, you know, um, what word do I want to use? My, my youthful, ambitious energy, Mm -hmm. um, was like, Oh, I have a, I have a Sabbath. you know, I, I didn't really, really have my mind wrapped around that word at the time, but we, as Christians, we weren't taking a day off. We were taking a Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. Sunday, you can't do a Sabbath because that's when our big work day is. So everybody, all the pastors would take Monday off. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing that because I was like, I don't need a day off. I got young energy. I'm, I've got big things to do. I, I yeah. you know, and yeah. um, I remember my senior pastor pulled me into his office early on and jokingly said this, but was also kind of serious. He was like, "You continue to not take your day off, even though we've asked you to, and you need to know that if you keep working on your day off, we're going to fire you." <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Oh," <laughs> he's like, "It's that serious. Like we want you to rest. We want yeah. you to." Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's such a profound and special thing to have happen at such a young age mm-hmm. in terms of like your career, because I think so much of the messages that you are getting at that time are the complete opposite thing yeah, that like I to be successful just thinking about it. is to be pushing yourself to the limit and giving all that you can. Mm-hmm. And like to be a good employee is to be like working after hours and showing yeah. them. It's like a very cool counter, like <laughs> cultural message to be receiving. It was. It didn't make sense at the time, but I was like trusting these people. Yeah. And then I eventually got used to it and sort of adopted their values, but (laughs) (laughs) which to me, I think actually are Christian values, but yeah. uh, And I think like in terms of productivity, I mean, efficiency is a weird thing to be thinking about, but I do think like it's not healthy for productivity and efficiency to be overworking people. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely. It doesn't necessarily, it's not like, it matches up. Well, that's a hundred percent the spirit of this actual conversation. I mean, I, I want to pop off yeah. on that topic, but yeah. you know, I, I essentially worked there from the time I was 24 to 36, a long time, very significant seasons of my life. Yeah. And my, I grew up there essentially. I mean, if you think like I was just coming into adulthood when I started working there and grew up, had all my, you know, had my kids raised there, all my big emotional experience with my it's wife. It's fascinating having your job also be your church. Yeah, it was. It's a very That's interesting a thing. very it's wild like, wrapped up thing because yeah. I think most most people listening probably that's not the case for them. Yeah. So it's like your job is also tied up with this spiritual home that you're also putting so much of your community into and your like I don't know. That's it's just a, it's a lot. It's very complicated. I don't think I was necessarily given the resources and preparation to hold that tension, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. made it work eventually, but it was, it was a tension. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, and then I and then I um I started working at this church called University Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and this is sort of the end of the journey, but um that I'm not working there currently, but that was a very exciting and interesting part of my journey. Um to me it was this sense I I went and worked at UPC, we'll call it UPC, mm-hmm. um because I had a real um sort of alarming realization that I could get stuck at Bethany as much as I loved it. It's, yeah. It seems like I'd been there for 11 years, and it it seems not wise for me to just have this singular experience mm-hmm. as a profession. Like, mm-hmm. I obviously loved worshiping there as a Christian person in a church, but, like, I needed some more experiences. I needed to test myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then I went, and um, that's where Macy and I met each other, which I know. is awesome. Um, it's the place. Yeah. I, so I was the, there was a ministry at UPC called The Edge, and I was the director there for about three and a half years. So weird to talk about. I know. And it was a, a wild, wild, <laughs> wild, wild ride. I'll just say, like, uh, I mean, the the kids, the parents, the leaders, this, ev- everything about, like, the, the, the meat or the core of the job was gold. Well, I mean, I'm saying in church, like, there's... It's it's meant to be a true, intimate community, and I could say that I've experienced elements of what church is supposed to be just by being here at your house. And you know that, you know, like this is a very um, safe, wholesome, encouraging environment that I happen to be sharing with people like a community of sorts we're living life together i mean that you could we'll say start that's a house is. church yeah yeah i'm just kidding uh, wants to, <laughs> just kidding no well you do want to have a commune and, and i'm gonna be like my i'm gonna have one foot in the commune but i'm not gonna live there <laughs> <laughs> so so this will wrap up my dream but i'll just say briefly i about um a month ago i stopped working at that church university presbyterian church and i'm currently unemployed so I, I want to say that on this podcast just so I catch Scott is at. out here self-employed. Self-employed. That's basically <laughs> asking me to say self-employed. Currently don't have a job, and I'm working on some ideas. Lots of things. Scott, what are you working on now? <laughs> what What's going on? Scott is putting so much love and care into this podcast. Yeah. You know, this is the thing about the podcast is I feel like since we started, I feel like right off the bat, we have a good product. Like the product is something that we do well, whatever that means. Like the recording, I think for, and it's not everybody's cup of tea, but we have a product that we've been very consistent consistent about. We work hard on. I'm proud of it. That's the episodes. Mm -hmm. And then there's just this sense of like getting the word out. Yeah. So in terms of like what it means for me to be spending time working on no small things stuff, it's like getting the word out. And I don't even know what I'm doing. It's like, dabbling in new things but um yeah i i i sort of long to be a person in youth ministry with like 20 years of experience that can put that to use in the sense of creating something that's a little bit more innovative Mm -hmm. and and churches typically are hiring for a certain model that they have in mind that they haven't really put much thought into interrogating. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this is mm-hmm. how you do youth ministry. We need somebody to do that. And I'm like, there's better ways to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. And, for um, sure. I, if, if a church can hire me to do it the way I'd like to do it, that's something, mm-hmm. but maybe 
a better use of my time is trying to create a career for myself where I'm more of like a consultant. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh. I don't know if it's possible, but we're <laughs> out here trying everybody. Scott's out swimming in the deep end, but I feel <laughs> I like you're doing end. more than just treading water right now. Like you're swimming in it. That's nice. Yeah. You're very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my job journey. It yeah. goes from, uh, uh, being a babysitter to no job. That's where I am now. <laughs> have no job okay but you but but i will say this for clarity's sake i i do have a sense of calling i do have a vocation um in recently interestingly i I find this curious as a psychological move for the first time in my life when i stopped working at the church i was working at for the first time in my life i changed my bio and my instagram and my facebook to youth pastor i know i saw that and was like what is this move i don't know i feel like more than ever i consider myself a youth pastor interesting that's kind of fun you're like i'm untangled youth pastor that's who i am yeah you're a shepherd of youths and families i feel like that is your true calling i see that in you that's nice that means (laughs) a lot for me to hear that from you Oh yeah. boy, everybody! Scott's so gonna do amazing things hosts. with time. Scott's out here living in the existential openness, it really is. It really openness is. of being jobless, but there's also some wild, cool freedom in it. But it's it's scary. Yeah, and I do want to say, for clarity's sake, I have stumbled upon this podcast, and that is not something that you could have presented to a a 12 year old kid at my age, mm-hmm. there was no, there was no such thing as a podcast. Yeah. So I think sometimes I, I wonder like, Oh, am I wrapped up in something that I got hooked on as a kid and then somehow wonderfully stumbled upon this as an adult? Yeah. Cause this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is, I love the <laughs> podcast. So that also seems like somewhat of a calling. I, mean, I think both you and yeah. I have a, have a shared sense of, um, purpose in the sense of like trying to get people to be more curious. And I think that is a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you being in this season has opened up some possibilities for us. I mean, we as a team want to do lots of ideas and we have so many ideas. Mm -hmm. I think we say we're a podcast dedicated, a podcast dedicated to help you live a less certain and more curious life. But we've just recently been talking about how we are a podcast, but we're more than that, and we yeah. want to be more than that. We don't want to be known as just a podcast because we right. can do so many things. No small thing. We industries. can do retreats. We can do workshops. We can do parties. Like we don't want to be limited by that. We can do parties. Can Hire do parties. us for your it's parties. Part of it. Don't skip the clown. Hire <laughs> Scott Macy. Well, no, we would host the party. Yeah. But I think I think this has allowed both of us to kind of be like, well, what do we want this to be? Totally. Because I think we want it to be something more. I'll get into my job journey, but I'm not not employed right now. So, employed. so we're at different spots because I <laughs> work full days and Scott's texts me in the evening, like, here's all my ideas. And so it's like a fun season of us figuring it out and like, but you are putting time into this. And I think yeah. hope we might see some some more things to come from us because of it. And it allows us to maybe put a little bit more serious thought into it because we're not limited, first of all, by time as much. And then also just you being untangled is nice. Us being untangled from the the outside things and just being in this jobless void allows you to like kind of create your own path. Yeah, and I just want to say you and I have sort of reached a good handoff point in terms of job talk because Macy worked 
as my intern, <laughs> which is a funny thing. I hate the word boss or supervisor. My my friend Laura this it's week true. at her ordination kept saying Scott was my supervisor. I'm like, that sounds That's like I'm like such some a sort funny of thing. like I'm a like I'm a babysitter or something. I'm, <laughs> I'm supervising you. I, I even got up and said I feel like it was like a co labor or a partnership. Like I don't I don't think yeah. it was supervisor, but um, I think it is worth. Imp- I think people will be listening and be like, what the heck is going on? Why do you leave that church? And I and I think I think we should just say and this will this will make a lot of sense for the podcast too. Like. It's a more conservative leaning church. If you've listened to our podcast, you know that we are in in immediately starting to talk about this aggressively. You know? <laughs> know. So we did essentially right out the gate three episodes in a row on homosexuality or gender issues. Did we? Well, we have Matthias, we have Podrick, and we have you. Oh, but Matthias we haven't released. So yeah, but it's there. We, we're it's doing there. it. Yeah. We're posting about it. Yeah. So like just to be honest, that's not something I could talk about when I was working at that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I mean, in terms of our podcast was something that was really frustrating for me because it was something I couldn't talk about yeah. because of that. And I'm out here being gay, having to hide that. So it's been really nice for us as a podcast in this mm. freedom sense of being like, we really don't have anyone censoring us, which we... Didn't, I mean, I don't know. It's complicated that for a while we maybe kind of did. And now we really are. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing we had to realize. It was our choice to be participating in that. So it's like nobody made us come work there. Nobody mm-hmm. made me come work there. And that's what we had. I, I personally had to come to terms with. Yeah. I don't have to work here. And I do remember one of the, I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, one of the hardest nights of my life. You could say top ten. Um was when we went bouldering that one night. Macy and I went bouldering, and it was a night when you had already come out to me as genderqueer, but it was just an energy that night where you were feeling pumped about it mm-hmm. and feeling really free and empowered. Yeah. And you were like, cannot wait to do an episode on this on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I felt so bad having to look you in there and be like, we can't. Yeah, it can't was a weird, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that was the beginning of the end for me. I was like, I, I can't, I can't look myself in the mirror right now. Like this, this is really embarrassing. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, I think it was awkward for both of us. Cause I was like, I don't want Scott to get fired and I right. don't want Scott to lose his job. But like, this is sucky mm-hmm. that like this podcast where I want to be a space where we can be vulnerable and explore things with curiosity. We're not even allowed to do that mm-hmm. and not even about our own selves. That, that did suck. Mm-hmm. So now we're past that, which mm-hmm. is nice. Here we are doing which it. We, yeah. And both of us are in spaces where we can be more free to be us, mm-hmm. which is nice. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it's, it's nice for listeners. Yeah. So yeah. not that we were ever really not fully ourselves in the previous episode, like the episodes before, oh, yeah. but I think there was always conversations that we knew we couldn't have, mm-hmm. which was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so gosh, well, I mean, just, we laugh about it, but like just me swearing at the beginning of the I episode. Know, I, I know. Like, oh, well, <laughs> we're going to do that now. <laughs> cares. Oh gosh. Okay. Is that the end of your, <laughs> Job I journey? To make it quick. Did you want to, do we want to make a quick plug for Patreon? Oh gosh. Well, we have you guys. I can edit it out. I can edit it out if we don't like it, but I do want to say, I, I will say this up until now. I've, I felt a very, if anybody is listening, I think anybody that listens to 
podcast at this point understands what Patreon is. We have a Patreon account. Up until this point, I've been a little hesitant to promote our Patreon because we both have jobs. So it's like, well, why? The only reason you give to our Patreon is because it'd be a really generous gesture to show that you appreciate what we're doing. Well, and so then we can then invest the money into things like equipment and more. We still have janky equipment. So it's like. Yeah. And like, like labor for Mm -hmm. producing it also because we have ideas beyond the podcast. So like, no, I know if we can. Yeah. So keep going. Sorry. This is an audition of sorts. This is an audition to say, if you like this, there's plenty more where that came from Mm -hmm. and, and probably higher quality. But, um, yeah, I do think for me personally, the word I've been using is ecosystem mm-hmm. in terms of like a professional life. The podcast, I think, is part of a larger ecosystem for me to potentially make a living off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a Patreon account. If you are listening, if you've gotten this far, hearing all of our <laughs> weird Abercrombie J. Crew ministry journeys, um, it's, it is something that you can do to support the podcast. And when we bring this up, people end up going on and supporting us on Patreon. We have not a ton of supporters, but we have some supporters. Mm-hmm. It's a way for you to support the podcast financially. If I haven't made that clear yet. Yeah. And I would appreciate that. Um, I'm not going to die if you don't, but uh, it, it is helpful at this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the past, like, like I've said, it's like, why would we do that? We both have jobs, but as I've just told you, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to be doing some other things that are not no small thing oriented that probably involve Patreon too. So this is just one thing, but if you're listening and you feel like supporting the podcast financially, yeah, www.patreon.com. I don't know why I have to slash no small thing. Slash no small thing. And then also, I think, I mean, for you guys, we try and make it a little incentivized, giving you something. So there's some ASMR, there's some random Enneagram interviews on there. And with more time, we'll probably start being able to upload more consistent so. content to Patreon. So become if you a like patron. ASMR. Yeah, if you like ASMR, become a patron because Macy does it's a like hub. The the top shelf <laughs> ASMR quality. Macy just did uh, 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 an orientation to new home world <laughs> <laughs> ASMR. It's so good. It's it's a. This fun is one. the. Th- I'll just do a plug for um, audio ASMR. Yeah. Like I, I I do love to watch uh, GB at night, uh, although I'm doing it less and less these days because I've found I for know. sleep and relaxation purposes just the audio to be more useful. Yeah, I know. I have big dreams, y'all. One day I'll start. It was supposed to happen by the end of October. This is kind of job vocation. ASMR artist. One day I'll start Mooney Mooney ASMR, the channel. And then also everybody, one day, this is my dream. I'm just putting it into the ethers now. I'm going to have a podcast for kids where I tell stories. Yes. And it's, that would be so fun. It's so good. Now, this is dragging on, but let me just tell you as a parent, (laughs) this is just a, a reaction to that. There were so many times where I was on a road trip and I was like, what can I put on for the family right now? Oh, I'll give you stories. Yeah. <laughs> like if it was like Moody Mooney stories, you know, whatever. That would have been great. That would have been yeah. great to picture a little like seven-year-old and a five-year-old in a car road trip. Yeah. And a Miss Vanilla Bones story comes on. <gasps> it's you <know>? Miss Vanilla Bones <laughs> and Poppy? <laughs> It'll be so good. Boo the bear, Oscar the octopus. Yes. You guys, the stories go on and on. Uh, okay. When we come back, we're going to get a Macy journey. It's coming. You're getting to know the No Small Team a little <laughs> bit better this week. Okay. When we come back. Welcome to our recording. Take one. We're going to read some poo. 
tune today, Winnie the Pooh. What shall we do about poor little Tigger? If he never eats nothing, he'll never get bigger. He doesn't like honey and acorns and fizzles because of the taste and because of the bristles. All good things which an animal likes Just have ch- all sorts of shallow, toothy spikes. Floating in the blue Every little cloud always sings aloud How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue It makes him very proud to be a little cloud That's number one Alright everybody, we're back If you hear me smacking a little bit I'm trying to eat a little bit of Macy's pasta (laughs) But we're going to get into Macy's journey Yeah, okay, so... I'll just first get, job. First job. I don't know what my specific. It was babysitting. I'm sure. I think it was my next door neighbor that I babysat. If this is my first one, I think it, she was the first. We watched. Uh, how did you, how did it get set up? They just called you. I think it was just like their mom asked me. I mean, they were the neighbors, yeah. so it was like chill. The mom asked, and I went over there. We watched a weird movie with this like nanny, Nanny McPhee. Oh, I love Nanny. McPhee. I remember that. That's what we watched, <laughs> and I like do have memories of like just random babysitting times and eating like kids' cu- cuisine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like the food because I was too young to really do any like real meal prep. So there is something about being a babysitter at that age that is like. Sort of nostalgic because you're able mm-hmm. to kind of be a kid again. You're like, oh, they're like, oh, they're gonna watch this kid show, but, and you're kind of like, I kind of want to watch. I know too. it's like yeah. me watching it too. Also, <laughs> like, I'm still a kid. Like my parents are next door, yeah. and like they know I'm babysitting, and like are there if anything were to happen. Yeah, totally. Um, so I babysat a bit, and then I also would like animal sit. So Whoa. I would like dog sit. I. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to share this, but please. one share. time in high school, this is like one of my most shameful things I've ever oh my gosh. done. Oh my gosh. One time in high school, the I was high quality content supposed to dog sit, AKA just go to these people's house and be their dogs. I think Sydney's I think this. I know this. I think you've told me this. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And I feel so bad. I like still feel bad, but I was supposed to take these dogs out and feed these dogs. And I completely forgot. Oh my like gosh. completely forgot. But were the dogs okay? The like I got a call like the Sunday evening. It was just like a weekend job or whatever, but the person was like, "Macy, like how are the dogs? Did you come?" And I was like, <gasps> and I'm like instantly felt like the world's worst person. Like, are your dogs still alive? Like oh, she was like man. they were fine. They were just very excited to see us. <laughs> like, they were <laughs> <laughs> they were really skinny and they were <laughs> biting our legs when we showed up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I like participated in this like dog abuse. So yeah, wow. that happened and I felt so bad. You I also by being such a good animal <laughs> lover. Also, well, I know that's the thing too. It's like I'm like, it's not like I don't care about your dog. I just literally forgot somehow and just didn't do it. Everybody understands forgetting it's me. I know, I know. And so another time I was pet sitting for people and I lost their cat. 
Oh. I felt very bad about that one. Although it wasn't necessary. I mean, cats are weird. From what I know about cats, they're easy to lose. Right, exactly. And I remember waiting out for this cat. I would go every day and sit at the bottom of their staircase with the door open, just being like, please come. And they had another cat sad. who would just like pet. I would. It was sad, but I also loved this other cat. So I would just sit there and this other cat would purr and was mm. so cuddly and I loved it. Um, so I lost these people's cats. <laughs> After they came home, like two weeks later, they found their cat. Um, so in high school, I just did like random animal things like sitter, that. babysitter, animal sitter, babysitter. I was so invested in sports in high school. You didn't have much time for a job. I had no time for a job yeah. in high school. Like literally you're my you're playing lacrosse. You got your mouth guard. You got your weird, uh, Enneagram four outfits that you're talking <laughs> about. Big pockets, tennis. <laughs> I did have an Enneagram four mood at tennis. Um, <laughs> so like my, my days were so filled. It was like the like thing would be like. School is my job and sports mm-hmm. is my job. Like mm-hmm. sports was what I did after school. And like I didn't get home from doing from school and sports until like seven or oh. like nine slash ten most such an days. Opposite high I know. Experience. I know. I did a lot of sports. And in the summertime, I would spend the whole summer doing sports oh. like I was in sports camps. Um, so I wouldn't do much work besides babysitting and house sitting. And then I came to college. Well, I'm trying to think. Anything else? I, like, probably... I volunteered at my church. I didn't even actually work, and a lot of people did, but I was like, I can't commit to working because of sports, which is sad. What a funny thing, thinking of who you are now. I know. I know. It's not... You're very athletic, obviously, but you don't do sports. You're not out here doing sports. I know. I would like to join some kind of soccer team. You should. I mean... Yeah, see, seeing the, the, the like, killer instinct look <laughs> on your face when you happen to find, like, something that resembles soccer is like, holy cow, this is a dangerous person. <laughs> it's a strong energy, <laughs> me and soccer. Yeah. Um, gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so then I came to college, and I got a job right away at college. Um, I applied... And it was like my first, I was like, I know I want to get a job. Cause I was yeah. like, I've been stripped of having a job because of sports right, right. for so long. So I applied a free agent. I'm a free agent. And I was like, I don't think I want to work in food or retail. And I love kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I applied at the boys and girls club. Oh, classic. I know. So I worked yeah. at the boys and girls club. I thought that I was going to be doing different stuff than I was. Well, what's your mentality at the time? You're here, you're here in Seattle. So it's new. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not, you're not in California anymore as a new context. I think my mentality was I would like structure. I would like a job so I can a have money, Mm -hmm. but be like, I want to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And I always have felt competent with children. Ah, Like I always knew that like that would be something where I think I would be fine. I wouldn't need to be like asking so many questions. Mm -hmm. And I was like very like nervous of being like bad at something. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to find something that I thought I would be good at. Also, I was just like kids would be fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think I knew anyone, but it was like on our like SPU. No Ballard, Ballard Ballard boys and girls club. club. Yeah. Um, I like, it was one, one of the like job searches. So I like, it was popped up. So I was like through SPU's like job hub. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I applied. I like, remember my outfit. I wore like an all black Mm. outfit. I was like, did Mm. not know how to dress formal. And I was like, did not need to, because it was Mm. a boys and girls (laughs) club. And I was applying for the like athletics department. And then like very quickly was like, I have a very formal teacher that started a day. (laughs) (laughs) We all wear uh, blue t-shirts with boys and girls. This person wore all black. (laughs) I 
know. It's like a catering company. I or just something. didn't know. I just know how to dress formal, and I still don't, honestly. So, um, I worked there. It was the ath- athletics department, and it was a weird, funny job. I so we weren't a part of the like true childcare, which I think I would have really preferred. I would have preferred being in the class and like working with the kids. Our job was to like run and manage the sports programs, which included, depending on the season, it was like ultimate Frisbee oh, oh, or oh. basketball or baseball. And, and, and the kids are, are from all ages, right? Yeah. I mean, the kids in our programs were like five to 10. No, maybe a little younger, but it was, it was not very much kid interaction. Mm. Like that was the part. It was like I was arranging like, the program. It was like I had to sit at the front desk, and sometimes, and like the phone would call, ring, and I'd never answer. Oh, <laughs> all these true confessions. Forgot the dogs. Didn't I, answer the phones. I hated. I hated working <laughs> the front desk. That was my least. I'd always get so stressed. Although I was, I was kind of stressed a lot at this job because on when it was basketball season, you had to ref basketball. So we never coached the kids. Oh, we this were is just. Great. This is great. Ref <laughs> basketball. <laughs> it was a crazy scene <laughs> and you did coach the kids so they would come and we would Stop. either Stop. your job would be either t- <laughs> come back <laughs> i'm just trying to picture you doing this <laughs> you had to be so intense you had to be so intense and now i don't notice the things i wouldn't notice the fouls me neither. i didn't yeah. know how to i was like i barely played basketball like if it was soccer (laughs) (laughs) i wish i had some video footage of you doing this i was so nervous (laughs) but like i i was not good at it like it was clear i wasn't assertive (laughs) enough and i didn't know the rules well enough oh well he did that because he had hurt feelings i know and parents by the time it was older kids parents would be mad oh those are the worst and i would get so stressed out that i would be like will you please rep and i would always want to be just the kiosk person Mm -hmm. but it was fun i was like young macy in college and so like I was working with all of these and I was at that time days, weekends, all um, like three or four week. Like it was like three to eight. Okay. okay it's like my okay. shift, probably three to seven thirty. I don't know. Itself is pretty intense on a weekday. Yeah. W- school and then getting and going three to eight. Oof. Um, and then you have more stamina than I do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it depended. I didn't. I can, I didn't I can do work it. for three hours. <laughs> Yeah, Gosh. I got three hours in me. Gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, you know, young, evangelical Macy. Mm-hmm. I've just come to college. I'm coming out of my church that I was like very gung-ho for Jesus and camp and, you know, sharing God with people. And I was about mm-hmm. to like, I was studying ministry and theology. And I was just like very young and like excited. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. definitely brought that energy to like the secular, like, co-workers who I was like here oh, right. and I wanted I'm to engage to and like in, no, I represent Jesus well no I would like really like play like the long game of wanting to gain and gain like intellectual <laughs> conversations and oh like, it's such a funny <laughs> interesting thing isn't it yeah I know what you mean like I was like these people like the people I worked with were like people I didn't typically hang around yeah so it was like a totally new work environment, which I think co-workers and jobs often provide for you yeah is like up until this point I've gone to school grown up in California, gone to certain kinds of schools, gone to certain kind of church. I found a church in Seattle that was very similar to my church from home. Mm -hmm. So it was like Mm -hmm. a totally Mm -hmm. different vibe. And I appreciated that. I learned a lot, but I also hated... You're talking about UPC? I'm talking about UPC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hated refing. I loved softball season because I was fine to ump. That was fun. What did you say? Softball season. (laughs) And then what? Ump. Your ump? Mm Mm-hmm. Like umpire. Did you say I'm fine being an umpire? 
Is that the word? (laughs) You said I'm fine being an ump. What did you say? I'm fine ump. (laughs) I don't remember what I said at this point. You gotta play it back. Um, I'm fine being an ump. I think it makes sense to me when I heard it. Okay, so I did that. I'm fine being an ump. And then, okay, from the Boys and Girls Club, (laughs) I'm just gonna keep going. Go for it. From the Boys and Girls Club, I got a connection to work for Happy Feet, which was a soccer program in Seattle. Oh. On Saturdays, you would go and you were a coach, and this was fun. I loved this. You I only really did it for a tiny bit. Good spots for yourself. Yeah, this I, is an upgrade. It seems like. Well, I did this and worked at the Boys Girls oh, Club. Okay. I Many got jobs. this on the weekend. It was like, here we go. Um, I think for it was me, all freshman year. Well, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club until probably my junior year. Okay, this sophomore is all year. Yeah, it was mostly freshman and sophomore year. Um, oh. What? Oh, well, that when, when did you start working at UPC? Oh, junior, senior okay. year. Okay, um, so you had a lot of like, what, what? What's the phrase? Irons in the fire. What is that a phrase? I don't what know. I had lots say? of things. I had lots had of, things of things to do. Going. Um. Well, yeah. And so S- I worked for plates spinning in the air. <laughs> what's a phrase? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um. I did happy feet, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. I had three Soccer. different. I would like get up on Saturday mornings and go out there. And I had three teams that I coached. And it was just this group of, like, really young kids. So it was really not much coaching and more just, like, here's a ball. Like, let's do this. And it would be, like, three versus three, you know. We had, like, little cheers. It was so fun. Honestly, though, I do think as a parent that takes a little bit more skill. Like, because I would sign my kids up for soccer and I'd watch these coaches. And I'm like, what are they going to do with these little kids? (laughs) And they would... They wouldn't really play soccer. They'd play a little <laughs> game with the soccer ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is gold. Because as a parent, I'm like, they're getting my kids familiar with the ball and just having fun and right, not right. worrying about, like, how they need to win the game or something like that. Yeah, no, it was much more about, like, skills mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. And then I was done working the boys and girls. School. I was like, I don't like this. Also, I could be getting paid more being a nanny because everyone around me is being nannies and getting paid a ton. And Seattle is primetime nanny time. And I was I, down for I, I it. I will just say, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is like a. I mean, gender plays a role in this. That's what I'm saying. It does. I mean, the, the perceived it is a gender cliche thing for like a junior oh. girl at Seattle Pacific University here in Seattle is going to get the primo. It is. It is. Jobs. I know. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Not seizing yeah. this? No, because we did it too. I mean, it wasn't even nannies or the babysitters. We had for four or five years. You just go look at the SP job board and you're mm-hmm. like, this person is my Friday night hire for the next year. Well, yeah. And I would look at the, you could look at the job link thing mm-hmm. and it was like all kinds of jobs, like being a person's like weekly babysitter mm-hmm. or nanny. So that's how I found Alex and Alex's family and the Bordens and this job was the best. I mean, I loved being their nanny. Yeah. It was, oh. Alex was the most like perfect bean to have dropped in my life in Seattle. And their family is the sweetest, weirdest family. They're super quirky. Alex is the weirdest, most like courageous, strange kid. Oh, in the best, most beautiful way. The best, most beautiful way. And we were like kindred spirits very quickly, like very good for each other. And it was just a nice gig. Mm -hmm. Like it was every day I picked them up from school. We would go 
do whatever. Bake some things, do their homework together, go to swim Was practice. Was it every day too? It's every day. That's a big, it is day. a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. From their fifth grade until eighth grade. I was like there every day with them after oh school. Oh my gosh! I know, I know. Cannot it was a really special relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it was really, really nice special, and yeah. like really like honestly luxurious to have like one on one time in that way. And they have an older sister who I'm like pals with, but yeah. like Hazel was never really a part of the job. Um, and it was more like in the beginning a lot of homework help, but it's also was just like being a friend and also being like a support to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was very nice. I mean, as I, I like nailed a really nice nanny job because often people get jobs with like multiple young children and they be cray sometimes. And I nailed a job that was like, this kid is a kindred spirit to my own. I love hanging out with them. Mm -hmm. They love hanging out with me. It's like, it was a really sweet season to have that family and have Mm -hmm. that job. Um, So I did that for most of the rest of college and a little bit after at times because it was good money and just a good scene. That's a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and then in the middle of that, I had other babysitting jobs. Like that's where I met Evie through like that babysitting, which is another family that like, I mean, nannying is an interesting, like, I don't know, an interesting field. Okay. So you may have just heard a break because people walked in. And so now (laughs) we're back at it, um, with my journey. I think I just finished talking about Alex and nannying Alex. Mm-hmm. You did. Okay, so my next job was being an intern at this church, UBC, which Scott worked at. This is where we met. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was a volunteer at this church already at this point, starting my freshman year. So while I was doing these other jobs of working at the Boys and Girls Club, nannying, and those things, I was also volunteering at this church. Twice How a week. did that happen? Oh, in my youth ministry class... With Langford, we had to do, like, volunteering, and I was already going to UPC. It was the first and only church I went to in Seattle. How did you hear about it? I looked up Presbyterian churches in Seattle. Why did you want a Presbyterian? (laughs) I'm very curious. This is interesting. (laughs) Because I had gone to a Presbyterian church growing up. Oh. And it was like, oh, I'll look for a Presbyterian church. I was, like, honestly looking for something that reminded me of home. I was here in this, like, unfamiliar city, and I went to UPC, and I was like, oh, UPC feels similar to FOPC, where it was, like, a sweet, like, for me, it was, like, a nice youth group. It was, like, the church that I had gone to. It was like, oh, cool, so I'll do this. Yeah. Um, And everyone else was, like, really into, like, like the phrase was church shopping Hmm. like freshman year everyone would spend all of their time like figuring out what churches were about and like wanting like kind of like testing them out and trying out all these different churches and I was like I don't want to do that I like conceptually at the time and I I don't know I still kind of understand my train of thought I was like you know you can go to a congregation and like find Jesus anywhere Mm -hmm. like there's going to be people like I, at the time, wasn't quite, like, in tune or aware with what I was walking into when I joined UBC, and I wasn't being that discerning, but I was, like, that was my point, so I, like, was taking that point of, like, I'm just going to pick a church, be consistent, give consistently to it. That's very admirable. And not do the whole game of church shopping and trying to find a church that works for me. Yeah. Because I was, like, I felt, like, I don't know, some weird morals around it. So I ended up going to this church and then that when we had to like volunteer for our youth ministry class, we had to have like 10 hours of youth time or whatever. I was like, oh, well, 
it's about time I get involved in our youth ministry. So like a week prior, a kid had come and like shared the story of hope. And I was like, oh, junior hires. I love junior hires. So I started volunteering with that. Um, It was working with the junior hires for sixth and seventh grade. And then when Hmm. they were eighth graders. So interesting. You think of the origin story here. I know. I know. Um, And that was like primarily, I mean, if I'm being honest, I was doing these other jobs and this volunteering was volunteering. I wasn't getting paid, but this was my work if I was to really think vocationally, like what I really cared about, I was, you're in some territory here that we weren't ready to get (laughs) into yet, but I went to (laughs) school to study, to be a pastor and I was studying youth ministry and I was taking all these classes and I was like really invested and involved Hmm. and wanted and believed in youth ministry. And it was like a passion of mine, I would say. Um, and still maybe is anyways, eighth grade, well, the kids were eighth graders. I was a junior, a senior in high school or college. I don't remember. I got to be the intern. And it started as me in doing it in the summer. And I was mm. the full time for like 40 hours a week in the summer, which was fun. I like loved it. Um, I mean, spending a summer doing ministry with kids, hanging out with them, grand old times. And then I was, I had like my last quarter of college. So I was a part time intern for the last year with the junior hires, which I loved and it was some good times. Okay, so I worked in the junior high. I didn't say this, but I... You didn't know me. You thought I was weird. No, okay. (laughs) It's complicated. But also when I was an intern with the junior hires, that's when I met Maddie. Oh, yeah. Maddie lives in the house. Matthew... Our Enneagram One friend and founder of the podcast. (laughs) Matthew and I were not friends for a long part mm. of it. This was also during like me at my worst mental health season mm. and Matthew at mediocre mental health, similar. Yeah. He's, he's saying the same. So I was like relatively antisocial with mm. him, like kind of cold and mean, I think. Mm. And it took us a long he's, time. He's shaking his head and disagreeing with that. Oh, I felt that way. <laughs> um, it took us a long time and then we eventually started bonding. Anyways, then I moved over to the high school ministry, which I do think Scott and I are kindred spirits. So it did feel like you were with me in terms of like our philosophy of youth ministry. Like I was valued in that way. So that was really fun and exciting. Um, It was also still a really tough year. I don't think that this was a good fit for me, this church, this circumstance. Um, And so after that, year I didn't really want to do ministry anymore and wasn't really feeling called to be a pastor by the end of it all and so that led me to like insane existential career vocation dreadland mm. when I was like I don't know if I want this anymore and it's been what I put all my eggs in and I still believe in a lot of the things but I'm not here for the systems that are surrounding it So that was like a big moment for me of like this had been like the only career I'd really seen for myself for a long time. And it took me a bit, but I like started to begin to realize like I was capable of a lot more than this and like could be competent in a lot of areas. So put myself out there to do different things, um, which was very good for me. Um, So here I am now. I'm 20. 
24 years old. How old are you? I'm 24. I literally <laughs> always don't know. Um, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, I started working at this other job, which is my current job. Um, and I don't know if vocation is the right word, but I work Career, at a... Career, calling, vocation. I work at a preschool and work. I work... It's like... It's not just working in a preschool. It's like the philosophy behind their approach to education that has really been something that matters a lot to me. And I do feel like incredibly fulfilled at work. I feel incredibly challenged at work, Mm. Um, which is something that I'm always seeking. I think like if I'm not learning new things and I'm not being challenged and my voice isn't being valued, like I think that leads to me being unhappy at Mm. work. Mm. Um, So I'm at a place right now where I feel very valued. So yeah, that's been like a very big career shift, although it's not that big and I'm still pretty young and it's not that different. I mean, I went from working with older kids to working with younger kids and that's been I the don't think thread that's the difference, of this whole though. thing. This is, you work from working in a church to working at a I know, pretty I, cool progressive uh, day, not day, preschool. Preschool. Preschool yeah. and after school thing. Um, yeah, so I definitely have shifted in terms of the kind of work environment it is working in a church is really wild. I mean, we've both kind of been testaments to that, but it's, it is this weird meshing of spirituality Mm -hmm. and career and also like community. Like the expectations of a pastor are high. And while I'd still, I wouldn't be like ride myself off from that as a career. I'm just not sure if I want that right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a healthy thing for me to see that that's not where I am and honor that that's not where I am and not like force myself to do this. I think for a while, because that's what I got my degree and I studied theology, like hardcore everybody too much theology. Too and much. then, <laughs> and then I was like at the end of, at the end of doing some real practical ministry feeling like, wait, I don't, I don't know if this is what I want. I felt very much like, can I go back? Can I do something different? And I mean, I definitely think you can, like I see myself on a completely different trajectory, although I'm still very grateful for my theological background Mm. and my experience in that. But I just, as of right now, don't see that being a place for me right now. Mm. I don't know. That's my journey, I guess. Here you are. Here I am. I mean, how do you see, how do you see yourself feeling called slash connected to pursuing a career in preschool or kids or? Well, I think it's complicated, but I do see myself. And I think this has been an interesting language that I just recently started using. I do find myself really wanting to care and be a part of social and emotional work with people. Mm. So like at Mm. my job, I work social and emotional work. I work in specifically the classroom that's the bigger kids. So it's not actually preschool. It's kindergarten to third graders and they come after school and it's not school per se, although it still is a merging curriculum and it still is a classroom setting, although it's very open-ended mm-hmm. and it's, it really is like a field for social emotional work for these kids. Like I get to come and partner alongside them in their learning, but it's like, they're learning about relationships and they're learning about how to like cope with friendships and their drama and also like their own passions. So I think doing this job and then also like looking back at my other careers and just what I care about, like I like working alongside people and helping Mm -hmm. them, but I also love to analyze and like observe people and offer, I don't know, I don't think advice is the right word, but like 
I don't assistance help. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I, nothing wrong with advice. I'm in the business, and I I feel called to be with people, and I do think I prefer working in like community. Like I think that's something that you and I might differ from sometimes. Like I don't know how much I would want to be actually self-employed. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy working in a group setting and I enjoy being a part of a workplace and being a part of a team. Like I love teams and I love being on a team. What if you created your own team? I could, but I also, there's already people and structures that are doing really great things that I could mm-hmm. uphold and be a part of. Um, so I don't know, Vogue, like in the future, who knows what's going to happen with Macy? Because I also have like a lot of other side dreams and jobs. Like we have this podcast, pretty passionate about it. I also would like to start an ASMR podcast. That would be really cool. I also would love to write a children's book. And I also would love to make a children's podcast for stories. I also (laughs) think I'd like to go back to school one day and do things in probably child psychology, maybe. We'll see from there. I don't don't know if that's actually what I'll end up doing. I would love to do a long-term research project. Like, I would love to do that. Um, I also would love to lead retreats. So I feel at this point in my life, which I feel like this is a very classic 24 year old way of seeing, but I'm like, the possibilities feel relatively like endless. Like there's so many viable options, but where I am currently feels like a wonderful learning space. Hmm. Like I'm learning stuff every day and I'm being challenged and I'm being supported. And so right now this feels like a great like step in the right direction towards other things that could come, but I just don't know what they all will be because I have so many things that they could be. Jobs. <laughs> Is that Jobs. my job journey? <laughs> no, I mean, it's turning more into an existential thing. I mean, in terms of who you are and what you want to do with your life. And I think that's one of the energy, part of the energy we want to pick up in this episode, uh, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, what we're doing here with No Small Thing is also a part of that. I mean, a huge value at the school I teach at and a huge value just in my life is inviting people into being more curious about themselves and about the world. And that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so this does feel sometimes like, I don't know, we don't know what the word vocation actually means, but like, <laughs> I do feel like there's a part of this that I'm like, I'm using some of my best gifts and it's serving people. So like, that's, that's really cool that like we get some people who, you know, DM us and are like, this really helped me in my relationship with this person, like hearing about this. And I'm like, that's that's exactly the kind of thing that I would love to be in the business of doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gold. So good. Okay. There's my <laughs> job journey. <laughs> there it is. You got it. There's nothing else. You know, the whole complete comprehensive job journey. That's it. Of Macy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when we come back, uh, we're going to pop off to, to the concept of jobs. Yep. We're going to just talk about what it is. What is a career? What's a vocation? What's work? Why do we do it? Um, does that sound interesting? Stick around if it does. Okay, we come back. everybody through the magic of podcasting <laughs> uh, we are back in a house now between the last section you were just listening to it's been like two days yeah but we're back 
because we're committed to this podcast. We're, we're trying to bring the high quality content. <laughs> and honestly, we could have probably done our journeys and nobody would have thought anything of it. But we have uh, expectations for ourselves. Well, yeah. And I think we really wanted to be able to pop off. We finished our journeys. Our journeys took interesting turns. So hopefully <laughs> you enjoyed them were entertained by them maybe we don't really remember but we think macy might have gotten slightly more emotional than we had planned but we don't know we can't tell we can't tell if (laughs) well we went into this thinking this is going to be a nice light episode yeah i i feel like i got more intense than i was expecting to get yeah which maybe people love always happens they're here for the now we're gonna pop up pop off about jobs what is a job what is a job? Now, I have some things I want to say that are like uh, preliminary grounding comments. I, anybody listening, there is dignity in all jobs and all work. And I'm not going to make fun of any jobs. But I think there's something about like, what is a job? And it's like, oh, well, that's a great thing for a, a person of privilege to ask. Like, what is a job? Some people just need to work. We don't get to question. But this is just a podcast where we wonder. Yeah, about I think that's jobs true. And work. That's an important thing to name. But here we are. Here we are. And, and I would say for listeners, if our goal is to help you live a less certain, more curious life, just pause for a second right now and wonder, what is work? What is a job? What is a vocation? I know. It. And we use the word job in like loose terms sometimes, too, mm-hmm. of like, well, I work in a preschool and we like talk about the kids as like having certain jobs or work. Mm-hmm. And that word even gets used in there. Works. And it's like works or yeah. tasks. Like it's not just job like the thing that you do but like job is a a word that we i I don't know it's linked to productivity Mm. maybe yeah well it's it it seems like it has tones of like you're paid by a boss or a group to do a certain job yeah you know uh or you know i mean think about where that's used i mean i guess you could be using it in your house that was your job that's your job that's your job yeah Yeah. like that's your thing that you You have to do that's your job Job feels like something that already just the, like, the connotation of the word feels like something that's required of yeah. you. My understanding and the way I walk around in the world thinking about that word is it's the thing you do to make money and to pay the bills. Like you go yeah. to your job, but it may or may not have to do with your overall calling or vocation. Calling is a big grand word, but like, like you can be an artist that's working at Starbucks to support your art. Yeah, well, yeah, that's where you'd be, someone would be like, that's my day job, yeah. you know? But, like, job versus career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A career, Job yes. versus labor, job versus work. Like, yeah. there's all these different words that are kind of the same, and yet they mean something different. Yeah. How do you consider your job at Hilltop? Is that a career? Is it a job? Is I it- don't know. That's I don't think I would consider it to be just a job. Calling? Like... I would, and that's the thing, maybe like we're naming it right here. I'm like, I don't want it to be considered just a job. Mm-hmm. Like that to me feels like it's something you're not passionate about. Oh, right. You know, like to me, I am passionate about what I'm doing. So it's not like I'm going to work and, but, and yet I am at the same time. Like it is work. I have required hours. There's like a whole system about it that makes it be work and it's, just because I'm happy to go to it and I love it and I'm passionate about it doesn't mean it's also work and a job sometimes. Like there's yeah. certain days where I'm like, I need, like we're recording this on a day off that I took where I was like, I need a day off of work. You, you need know? a day off, a freaking day off. Um, Even if it's your vocation or the work you love or like your calling, you, yeah. everybody needs a day off to just yeah. be. 
mean, here you are recording your podcast. Yeah, which off. that's another thing. I mean, it's like, is this work? Yeah. Like this podcast, is it a job for us? Like, yeah. I think we try and treat it kind of like a job in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're heading more in that like direction. Like a part-time thing. It's a pa- it's a hobby. And yeah. when does the hobby become a job? Yeah. Is Ooh. it money? But it, Or is it also like the attitude you have around it? Now, when I hear we're gonna we're gonna do some readings in a sec to sort of guide our conversation, and it's this amazing book by this poet named David White, and it's called "Crossing the Unknown Sea: Work as a Pilgrimage of Identity." Ooh. And uh, Macy may or may not put this in our show notes, but I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. So inspiring. But when I hear somebody say something along the lines of "in my work," mm-hmm. I think if it is like this important task that they are uniquely setting out to work on for society's behalf or something like my, like their work. Yeah. In my work, meaning like I have been a person that has, you know, studied the venom in frogs my whole life Mm -hmm. in my work, in my work with frogs. Mm -hmm. I just randomly thought of that. I don't even know if people do that, but you know, in, in my work as a physicist, in my work as a therapist, you know, um, I've learned and discovered and I, I help people understand fill in the blank, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's different again, not again, not trashing this at all, but that's different than like bagging groceries, but maybe it isn't, maybe, it, maybe isn't. it isn't for some people. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, it, it just depends. I feel like it is linked to the, like the attitude, the person that has around it, mm-hmm. like, are they being fulfilled in this occupation and this like setting? That's when it becomes, I don't know. Well, like Matthias, who we're, we're going inter- to we're gonna release an interview that we did with him. He hosts a podcast called Queerology. And he had announced that he was going on hiatus recently. And in his letter, he said he had been working three jobs to mm-hmm. support his podcast. Yeah. It's set, the podcast sounds like his work. Right. And then he has also these jobs on the side. Yeah. yeah. Which is like not passionate. I think, yeah, I think everyone, it just has a different way that they approach it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, when I think of my, like, when we go back to my job journey, like, there's a difference between me working at the Boys and Girls Club as that's, that athletics thing and now me being a teacher yeah. at this school. Like, there's a very different energy to it. And it um, seems like you're on a trajectory. Like, you right. take it seriously. You are learning a lot. You've got the, I mean, it was so funny when you said the gift that you wanted from them was the book of their philosophy of teaching, you know, which was a beautiful book. Yeah, it's know? a very beautiful book. Yeah. Very inspiring. Um, and, and you have to write blogs for them and yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. This does, that, this doesn't feel like a job. It feels like work. If that makes sense. Like it does. It's, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It's, there's the passion behind it. (laughs) I think that there's like a natural fuel. It's what I'm, I, okay. There's, I think it's Rick Bonhoeffer. Some theologian person says like the vocation is when you're, Oh, greatest desires meet like society's highest needs or something yeah, like Frederick that. Yeah, Frederick Buechner. Frederick Buechner. Yeah. Um, and that you're describing vocation, but I do think that there's like this area where it's like what you're doing is like, it would be lovely if everybody could reach and find a place for them mm-hmm. in society where both what they're doing is helping to, serve and better society but they get to use their gifts and bring their best foot forward and offer that for all of us that their job gets to do that that it pairs with that I feel like the Enneagram is helpful in like similarly seeing this idea that like everybody has their like things that they offer Mm -hmm. and when we can let them do their best work what they're passionate about that like better serves us all when we honor what they're gifted at and 
things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things, too, if we think about uh, strength finders. Oh, yeah. Is, isn't your number one input? Input, for sure. And my second is input. So it's mm-hmm. like right there. And I think that's a little bit of what this podcast is. If you look at the advice that people, that this, we recommend strength finders, too. Maybe we'll have that in the notes. But, yeah. Um, uh, they'll say, like, the advice for somebody that has high input it's because input is I receive input and I give input. Yeah, it's like this both thing, like this need to like always have new information, but also mm-hmm. be sharing new information. And that's what we do here, essentially. Yeah. You know, and that's I, I when I read that, I was like, well, how do I how do I find that place for myself? Like, essentially, it sounds like a classic like professor, mm-hmm. but I'm, I don't have a PhD, and I don't really want to set out on a course to get a PhD. Yeah. But I I do know in this modern world, you know you can get a platform like what we're doing and just start doing it. I mean, like, yeah. I would love to be, I, I was with somebody the other day and he was like a really great guy. And he said, uh, I, I'm never going to read all those books you mentioned. He said, but I love that you read them and just tell me about them. I'm like, right. oh, I love reading the books. Like so. you could serve as that role mm-hmm. is to like help to do that work to then communicate to groups of people. Yeah. I'm still shocked to this day how many I would say probably 70% of people I talk to, maybe more, are just say, I'm, they just say outright, I'm not a reader. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I had this idea that, like, I just thought adults were readers. Interesting. And kids, too, obviously. But I yeah. just thought that will be part of what it means for me to be an adult. Now, to, like, interestingly, be a that I didn't sign on to other things that were probably even more appropriate, like having a good budget and being... I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't I know. I just didn't have that in the car. Someday I was just like, part of my adulthood would be reading a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just thought that. That's... And now I'm doing it. <laughs> but that in itself shows, like, you have certain inclinations and gifts. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't make for an, a good accountant. No, no. You know? Worst <laughs> be a disaster. <laughs> like, there are certain jobs that just are not right for people. Mm-hmm. Like I would not do well in a job that I didn't see people. Oh, that would be just another great little uh, section here, but we probably don't have time for it. just to be like, what are the types of jobs that we'd be the worst in? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what would they be for me? I mean, honestly, any kind of job that I like didn't believe in the values of the thing oh, would point. be so bad for me. Yeah. That would, that would be the number one miserable thing for me. And maybe that's linked to authenticity, but like, mm-hmm. If I don't believe in what they're doing, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to offer good work for those Wendy's? people. Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in what we're doing here. <laughs> That's going to be crap. really good food. Uh, I think me, I'm really bad at, like, precise tasks. Like, if somebody says, here are the tasks we need done in this amount of time, go. I'm like, I already don't understand the tasks and I don't <laughs> have the capacity to really wrap my head around this and I'm going to go really slow and I'll forget <laughs> and I'll get distracted. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you need self-directed work usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Or like, I'm not a good teammate. And that, and I, mean, I mean, we say maybe I'm a good teammate on the podcast, but like, not like a good, uh, I mean, it's part of why I don't think I like sports. Like, I always felt like I was letting everyone down. Right, as know. we're... I like love being a part of a team. Oh yeah. That's, I, I, that's a social a versus sexual type. I think I was just like, I did not like teams, which is why I like something like bouldering. It's like, I'm just here competing with myself. Yeah. There's nobody relying on me. Yeah, no, I like the team aspect. I mean, I was like soccer captain, like loved Ugh. it, living for it. Like this Ugh. team is family. Even and I now, think that's, I think that gets brought up in my quote unquote jobs. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in the journey, like sports were my jer- or sports were my job. Mm-hmm. And maybe they kind of were like teaching me how to be a team, a team true, person. True, but also <laughs> it seems like you were utilizing some sort of 
like thing that was naturally part of your personality or flexing yeah. that yeah, muscle that might or be something, true. you know, might be true. E- even if I'm playing basketball these days or something, which is very rare, but it's the thing I will play occasionally. If somebody throw like passes, throws me the ball, passes me the ball or, or something and is like relying on me, uh, I'll miss and somebody will be like, come on, Scott. I'll, I'm like, I'll always giggle at that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. Like, oh, I was supposed to try harder. Like, oh, you know, like I miss a lot. Like, it's just like, as especially like, as adults, I'm just like, we're just playing. You know, like, what do you mean? Come on, Scott. I you would know? probably be like, yeah, come on, Macy. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I, I feel bad because I just can't get in. It's funny to watch like adults get upset about a, a basketball game at this stage of life, like 50 to 40 to 50 year old men. I know, think running around and getting upset about a basketball game. I'm just like, I think I would at 24 years old get upset about like a pickup soccer game yeah, no. or a pickup tennis match, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's part of what it, it, it takes. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I believe in it. It's just not part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should we, should we do, do your readings? So that would be, like, this is her most meandering <laughs> classic vibe. Okay. Listen to this. So they, he, he defines work right on the cover here. So let's give ourselves some guiding principles here. Work, an opportunity for discovering and shaping the place where the self meets the world. The oh, same self meets the world. That's what he talks about here. It's very philosophical and poetic. Um, I like that though. Yeah. That so he talks a lot about his own. It's like a memoir of sorts, but plot like of him discovering his own work in the world, which is a poet. Mm-hmm. But he was doing a lot of other things, and he talks about like s- captaining or or being part of a ship that was sailing to the Galapagos. And he talks a lot about like hiking and camping and sailing and working as a team and like how that applies to working in organizations. And yeah. but a lot of it is like setting out into the unknown, like discovering your work is mysterious. Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking about mm-hmm. it, the work, like how we've been talking about, like your calling or the thing you're supposed to do in the world, yeah. whatever that means. It does sound like a far away conceptual idea to actually be like having found that thing mm-hmm. that you are quote unquote meant to do. Yeah. So now if you listen to these quotes, a lot of them have to do exactly where I am in life right now. Like it's this unknown, like I have no idea what I'm about to do with my work and life and job. I'm still figuring it out. Um, and this, what, what a lot of the things he's saying is you sort of, you sort of discover it as you go. You don't like, go, Oh, this is it. And then you do yeah. it. And the yeah. podcast proves it. Like, I think this has gotten more felt more clear in terms of what we're trying to do than when we just started. We were like, we're just going to talk about playlists. Right. We didn't have a, a mission statement or anything like that, or really any kind of idea of what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And it was just a podcast to begin with. And yeah. now it's, it is more, it it's will more. be more. It has a purpose. Um, okay. So this is interesting. Well, it's all interesting. That's what I'm reading it. Um, <laughs> to have a firm persuasion to set out boldly in our work is to make a pilgrimage of our labors to understand that the consummation of work lies not only in what we have done, but who we have become while accomplishing mm. the task. Mm. That reminds me of no small thing. But the work I've done, too, and the work you've done to, at the um, preschool. Preschool? Day? What is it? Don't say daycare. Sorry, I almost said it. Um, it's a children's center. A children's center. <laughs> a children's center. <laughs> I'm, uh, like, so defensive. Don't yeah, say daycare. To see life and work as a pilgrimage is not a strategy for increased production, though by understanding the wellsprings of human creativity, there is every chance that that might happen. It does not mean that we can lay out our careers in precise stages, clearly and concisely, as to when, where, and how everything should happen. All of our great artistic and religious traditions take equally great pains to inform us that we must never mistake a good career for good work. 
Life hmm. as a creative, intimate, and unpredictable... Co- this is a thing he talks about a lot, a conversation. Your work is like a conversation with yourself and the world. Life is a creative, intimate, and unpredictable conversation if it is nothing else, hmm. spoken or unspoken. And our life and our work are both the result of the particular way we hold that passionate conversation. In Blake's sense, a firm persuasion was a form of self-knowledge. It was understood as a result, an outcome, a bounty that came from paying close attention to an astonishing world and the way each of us is made differently and uniquely for that world. Hmm. Doesn't that really sound like big calling vibes, you know, like whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. I have a thought. But yeah. What do you think? What do you think about this idea of, of setting out into the unknown or discovering your work as you go or like your purpose or having a conversation with the world? No, I think that that's like a, a good way to approach it. I think for me, because I am, I'm coming at this as like a 24 year old. Mm-hmm. So I come mm-hmm. in a very different space. Like I think that's been helpful for me in the past two years as I do this job that does feel like work, but I can sense that this is the beginning Mm -hmm. that this is like, I feel like I'm like, I'm still in training ground Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. what will actually come. And I'm like, I'm excited to be 35 and see like what I'm capable of and what I'm like doing. But Um, I think you're also seeing that you're already having the conversation, like you're putting yourself out there and using your gifts and your voice and your perspective in a lot of ways when it comes to, well, on the podcast for sure, but when it comes to helping kids and parents. Maybe that's nice. Um, (laughs) I think it's true. I think this is a good and healthy perspective to like hold it as being something that's mysterious because then you don't have like these tight expectations of what you should be doing. I also think this is interesting and I uh, like already I haven't heard anything about in terms of like your work or your job is for money. Like that's the thing. It's like, People, I think, approach career in your work maybe differently in that, like, people are trying to find something fulfilling, but you're also, like, you're doing it to, we like, because of the system, you have to find something that will pay the bills. Yeah, like, you have to also <laughs> viably think about that. It's like, this mysterious, wonderful fall into it view is beautiful and nice, but there's also, like, a hard reality of, like, you also need to... F- pay Mm -hmm. bills and depending on where you live and your family situation like sometimes you can't do that the Mm -hmm. thing that you feel called to do by nature of that that thing doesn't give you enough money i know well like which sucks like this we make very 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 little money off this we have a few patreon supporters we're gonna maybe get ads that would be sad if we had to put ads on here. I don't know. I mean, to me, an ad sounds sort of professional. Like it also may, all of a sudden makes it sound like, oh, I'm listening to a professional podcast. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. short and not too annoying. I mean, sometimes podcasts will have like six. I know. And sometimes people's ads, ads are fun. Yeah, When totally. they do them. Maybe we can make we could it try it back. Maybe we could make jingles for ads. That'd be fun. I don't know what we're allowed to do if we're partnering with a company. Maybe, maybe their whole thing is that they want you to use your brand and voice to promote them in your own unique way. Who knows? I'm talking out of... Well, We'll see. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that I'm working on right now is I feel like all my years of working in youth ministry in particular, but with kids have given me a very unique perspective Mm -hmm. and it it would be setting out into a conversation with the world of like, here's what I have to offer, but how is it helping you and what, what needs to be tweaked and how can I help you understand and what kind of programs can we create together? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. (sighs) That's a whole other. I love the idea of us being a podcast that, or just like continuing to have this kind of conversation and like, imagining us approaching this conversation of work and jobs in 15 years. Oh, oh. 
Like that would be very fascinating yeah. to like, I, I feel like I would have a very different perspective. Even if we had a season of our life where this became an actual job or, yeah. or a professional thing where we worked on this, like that'd be so cool. It would be very cool. Cause we, everybody, I know we talked about this, but, uh, it's not just this recording podcast. Like in a, in a few months we may be doing an Enneagram workshop for people here in the city. We want to do retreats, yep. blogs, yep. videos, all that stuff. Those small thing industries. Parties. <laughs> parties. We're going to have big parties. Live events, maybe. It would mm-hmm. be a better way. Gatherings. Gatherings, live events. Gatherings would be. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, curating experiences, inviting curate. other professionals and writers and thinkers and artists yep. to participate in something. See what we're talking about, you guys? Is anybody excited about this? <laughs> Is anybody listening? <laughs> Sid? <laughs> uh, okay, here's another one. This is him talking to a a mentor as they are um, tilling some soil at like a retreat center. Okay. So they're like working in a garden and he's trying to like be on this pilgrimage. And this guy says this to him. He says, "Um, I must have been staring at him with my open mouth because he leaned forward, looked me directly in the eye and said, we all have our own ground to work. You have yours too. You just, you just have to find out what it is, but you know what? It is right on the edge of yourself at the cliff edge of life. That's the edge you can go to. Put yourself in conversation with the edge, no matter how frightening it seems. Hmm. Look down over the edge. Hmm. It's a bit terrifying to begin with, but then you'll recognize a bit of territory that you can work, something you can step into. It was there all the time for me when I look back, just on the other side of a too, too familiar window out of which I had not been looking. Oof. Isn't that Oof. good? He's a good writer, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, looking at the edge of yourself. Even the other day, I was, like, just thinking, and I was like, am I going all the way into, like, all of myself? Like, am I pushing into my whole self right now with these thoughts? Oh, oh, oh. Which is just, like, it's, that's, it's, a, it's a fun and hard thing to do. It's like, <laughs> I know. We have to take a break from it sometimes. Like, I, am th- I do wonder that, too. I'm like, am I going all in right now? I'm trying to be as honest and deep as I possibly can. And sometimes I just be like, just enjoy your dinner tonight and have a fun (laughs) conversation with friends. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But I think that stuff that we talk about with like parapraxis and defense mechanisms, it makes you just wonder all the time, am I being, is this a defense mechanism? (laughs) (laughs) Am I I being a five Enneagram? Am I being my full self right now? Yeah. Yeah, I also like, I don't know, I do think... There's something like encouraging and inspiring about like allowing, giving yourself the freedom to like go to the edge and like try and like, I mean, maybe just as I'm thinking for you in this season, like it's fun for, I think, me to be a part of you like imagining, like dreaming up your own way that you like (laughs) find a like vocation in the world that doesn't necessarily like mean working for someone yeah like that's just like another way to do like doing a self-employed thing yeah while it's not as of right now something i would be interested in there's something very cool about the fact that it's like nope you're doing whatever you want it's like your full self yeah gets to be the, the thing i think as i watch my wife she's started her own thing recently that's like a consulting gig and she's putting together a career of sorts but Macy and Marissa, my wife, are um, both social types. So I do think even if this became a thing for you, yeah, it would be challenging to be like, well, where am I seeing the people? You right. Know? Like I can't imagine me being the most productive self if I was like self-employed, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be just yeah. myself self-employed. That would be the cool thing, too, is if someday you have a staff. I mean, we talk about the podcast, and they are our true north in so many ways. They are our true north. <laughs> just in, in terms of the structure. I mean, we don't want to do what the podcast is doing in terms of content, but like... Right. Um, they have a company now. They have several different types of podcasts. Grassroots podcasts, just yeah. two friends that are doing it. Yeah. But now it's like... They have a team. Podcast media group. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and then, you know, Knox just posted a, a huge review of Kanye's new album yesterday. Oh, and he And it was did. so good. So the fact that he's out there doing that with his time, like writing books, writing cool blog posts, and that's yeah. his job. I know. Awesome. And, and, and their job it. is literally just consuming pop culture, which is also pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, giving uh, their perspective what on it. What are you doing tonight? I'm watching Survivor. Oh, well, are you going to work? Oh, this is my work. I, I'm <laughs> supposed to do a Survivor review tonight, so Gotta get watch off my this. back. <laughs> <laughs> get off my back. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. So, like, when you're reading all your books yeah, that you're reading, like, no, this I is know, my job. I'd love for that to be my job. I'd love to be. And I'm kind of practicing that lifestyle now. I'm challenging myself to read a chapter of something every morning, no matter what. That's my yeah. first start to the day. Uh, and then I'm challenging myself. It's just like, whatever. I'm trying to pretend I am the thing I want to be. I'm posting the things I like this in my thing. personal Instagram stories um, on my own Instagram. Oh, like you're sharing mm-hmm. the words from your chapter. Which, quick side note, maybe I'll edit this out, but like, it's really interesting to think about followers and stuff on Instagram because our No Small Thing account has double the followers that my personal account has. But if I post a story on my Instagram, it gets double the views that our personal Instagram, that our No Small Thing Instagram gets. Interesting. So just as like, you might have followers, but they're not necessarily like super Seeing your contact. Yeah. Well, that's also like, they put stories in a certain like order based on like, there's like a whole algorithm This freaking algorithm. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have another one. Okay. This is nice. I would really like to get your perspective on this. (laughs) It's it's all very similar, but um, these are some of my favorite ways he's talking about. He says... Um, to wake the giant inside of ourselves, hmm. we have to be faithful to our own eccentric nature and bring it out into conversation with the world. So he's saying the same thing in lots of different ways, but I like yeah. this one. We can rely on the conversation itself to iron out the selfish aspects of our nature. Hmm. In baseball parlance, though, we have to step up to the plate. In the parlance of the soul's exploration, we must step to the frontier of the unknown where there are great possibilities at play. Hmm. where we do not know where our courageous speech might lead us. Hmm. We have to say no just as firmly as we have to say yes. Yes, we want the attributes of leadership, but often falter in the presence of the real thing. Hmm. I don't know about that. He's kind of talking about leadership too in that sense, but it can obviously apply to careers. Yeah, I like the embracing the eccentric nature. I know, isn't like that, good? that That speaks to my soul. Yeah, the, and it, the different things that we bring. You it know? kind of makes, well, we're just talking, I'm, it makes me think and like think about myself and like actually viably thinking of storytelling as something that I oh, like see? love to do. And it's like this eccentric thing, but like it's viable and like kind of trusting that and like being in touch with those gifts that you have that are a part of you, you know, is so like I love that you brought that up because everybody should know <laughs> that maybe maybe that will be a Patreon thing for a while. That could be an interesting thing. You are such thing. a good storyteller and an eccentric storyteller. But think about that. Like, David Lynch is the weirdest, most eccentric storyteller on the planet. And I love it. Yeah. I am all yeah. here for it. Like, that that type of storytelling can have an audience. And your yours is also unique well, and whimsical, whimsical and, and, and like children's not dark stories. Like David Lynch, but like, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I know I tried to do a spooky story on Halloween and it was ended up being rather moralistic and not that spooky. I was like, <laughs> I can't be spooky. <laughs> moralistic. That's great. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I don't I, I do think sometimes this I think this has to do with like brain science and stuff. Like I do think sometimes a younger person's mind has less blocks. Yeah. And so I do think there's something urgent almost at this time. Cause that's something I've been reading. I've been reading a book on brain science. Um, you're, you, you are, um, solidifying, um, the, 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 the like neural pathways and synapses essentially that you want functioning at a high level at a later age. Hmm. So if you build like, I'm saying probably the wrong words here. So nobody will go ahead and critique me. I'll, I'll <laughs> help me understand. Um, uh, building certain connections with your creativity that will last. Yeah. And you, you already have access to it in a really like a fresh and free way. Right. Well, it feels like I get to practice cause I tell a story like pretty much every day. I try mm-hmm. and do an impromptu story for this class. So like it's a, it's practicing a muscle that like, <sighs> I'm so impressed with just how free you are with it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would way overthink it. Well, that's the thing, though. I used to not be. And then some teacher came up to me and was like, Macy, you can try anything. Like, yeah. they're here for it. And it's the right audience preschoolers. And then I, like, take the good stories to my older class. Because oh, you practice it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is, like, something that it's, like, if you just practice the muscle, like, it becomes something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. See, that's what I'm about. saying, though. That that I mean, honestly, this is going to sound cringy, but this is what we're, exactly what we're talking about right now. Is like I've had an itch to make music. music. Oh yeah, beats. beats. But I got a little MIDI player, and I've been fiddling around with it. Now I have no raw talent, whatever that means. I just have an interest. Yeah. And 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 I don't know if I want a career in beat making or music making, but I am right. trying to fiddle around with like making music for the podcast for our in-between little sections. And yeah. Um, so far I, I know that I have a, a blast doing it. I can get really lost in it, but so I also know that what I'm making is not like out of this world impressive right now, but it is something yeah, but you're new. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bringing myself to it, you know? Yeah. And if it's, if that's the thing too, it's like when you're passionate about it and you love doing it, then you'll show up to the daily yeah, practice, totally, which then totally. helps you to be offering your best thing to the world. Like yeah. that's the thing. The passion helps you to be practiced and good in the thing. Yeah. I yeah. remember hearing this beat by this group called the back, not backstreet boys, black <laughs> street. I think I was a junior in high school and I guess maybe it was like waking up to the idea that the beat was this thing a human made. I wasn't taking it for granted. I was like, Oh, listen to this cool beat. And it was just, yeah. there's a song called good love. And it was like, good and there was this guy in the background that was like had this little noise that he was making and then it was a very simple beat but i was like oh listen to this beat yeah this like they really like caught cool. your attention yeah yeah and then i was like how did they do this good loving do this yeah i never i don't even think i had that thought then i just had an appreciation i Mm. think i only thought that in like the last two or three years Hmm. 
Um, I didn't think it was possible. I think because of technology now, it's like, oh, anybody can do this. And well, that's awesome podcast. Yeah. I, like I think back to three or four years ago, listening to someone like the liturgist, I couldn't have ever imagined being yeah. a person who had a podcast. I had a podcast. Yeah, you it's, know? it's a cool feeling. And now it feels, it feels like, oh, very chill. Like, very natural. You know? Yeah. Um, this is what we do. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tangent. <laughs> it's an important tangent, though. I mean, like, I think probably everything feels slightly awkward at first and then you step into it and yeah, I mean the first night we recorded, I felt so awkward. I was like, what are we doing with these microphones? I know. How do I hold so it? Weird. Who am I talking to? Am I talking to Macy? Am I talking to the audience? I know. I think, well, and I still think I do this, but yeah. I go back and forth between like, I'm addressing multiple people because I, I know that you're there. I think yeah. But it's also like most, it's just us two actually having yeah. the conversation. And sometimes people are in the room and yeah. Making True. faces at us. Okay, this last one, I think this will be the last one. It, yep. has, it has to do with our podcast, I think. Yeah, so what does it mean for us? So obviously, love to get Macy's uh, <laughs> Scott's come with some books, in quotes, and yeah. I'm just <laughs> commenting. Um, and I've really been thinking a lot about this lately. Well, yeah, I mean, you've been in the ex- existential yeah. place of here I am without a job. What does that mm-hmm. mean? Now, also side note, I think we've said this before, but if you're listening, everyone, we are still at a very sort of um, homemade vibe with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like we check our email. We like talking to you all. I think hopefully we'll always be that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like if we get big. I'd like yeah, to Yeah, like if people big. engage on Instagram, more you than me, but like yeah. you will Love have it. engagement Love back it. for sure. And you can send us emails. Mm-hmm. If you have a thought about work that came up and you want to send us something, not only would I love to respond to you in an email, but uh, maybe we'd end up sharing it on the podcast mm-hmm. and engaging with mm-hmm. it. Um, so no small thing at gmail.com. No small thing podcast at gmail.com. Email us. Uh, okay. So this is about your audience with your work. So the work you do in, in sort of um, collaboration with your audience. And that's, I think we're trying to do. We're trying mm-hmm. to be like, who's our audience what, what are you liking about this? What do you need from us? If we yeah. are people that are trying to help you live a more curious and less certain life, um, yeah, what, what are we doing we it? Doing, yeah. What else could we do? Uh, what do you need from us? What would yeah. you like from us? We're yeah. here to serve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, to find good work, no matter the path we have chosen, means coming out of hiding. Hmm. Good work means visibility. We have all had dreams in which we face a large audience without clothes, without notes, without an inkling of what to say. I have that dream a lot, actually, because I speak in big places a lot. The faces expectant, waiting, terror in our eyes, the focus entirely on our lone, naked figure. Let me tell you that the terror involved in that dream is entirely and utterly accurate, and most of our intuitions about the dynamics of facing large audiences are horrifyingly exact. Just be yourself, people say, as if they have suddenly thought of something entirely original, and as if they have forgotten the terrible, wrenching initiations most religious religions insist on for arriving at that elusive self. To be yourself is to be no self at all, but to be the frontier, the frontier between you and your audience, the hmm. large audience of a waiting crowd or the smaller, more intimate audience of our immediate coworkers. Their ability to see us and know us in ways which give them a close knowledge of who we are and what we are attempting to do in the world can seem too much, too intimate, too soon. Vulnerability and intimacy can make a very frightening shoreline, but that is a waveline we must walk and work. Work is exposure. Our fancy mm-hmm. ideas about ourselves in sandcastle built right at the edge of the incoming sea. 
Hence, those long nighttime dreams, rehearsals which have us practicing the dramatic confrontation, facing the waves, or the immensity of faces, as naked as, they are, as, naked as the day we were born. Yeah. Is there more? Um, yeah, this is, this is the last one. I mean, that's a lot, so... Keep going, keep going. <laughs> this is good stuff. Um, oh, maybe I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> This is a scene. I feel like this, this is, is a such scene. Good, this is really good. A good book for you to be reading right now. Yeah, I know it so is. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say maybe I, maybe he describes it in such a beautiful way. Um, he essentially his one of his. I'll say I'll end with this. Like one of his metaphors is a swan, and it's like a swan has a very clumsy and awkward and sort of forced and strained walk hmm. when it's out of the water. Hmm. But coming into your vocation is like gliding, it's gliding into the water. Into the water. So, yeah, and then it's beautiful hmm. and effortless. Hmm. Now, that's a pretty cool feeling. That so is like a he cool had he feeling. had a, he's he's setting up a scene where he was wanting to be a poet and had been wanting and then and then he was supposed to deliver his work at this retreat or something, and had never shared it publicly like this. Hmm. And leading up to it, got sick, couldn't come out. His he lost his voice. Hmm. He just got terrified. Hmm. Um, but he stands up to do it anyways and said the feeling was like that of a swan. The moment he started reading and the feeling he felt in the audience is like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But he had to like face that fear. Again, this is why I kind of feel like this is an important book for you right now. Cause you're, you're kind of trying to do that. You're trying to find like where you are gliding, you know, and it feels like that being on the shore of, I don't want, you don't want to make it too dramatic, but like building a little precious little sandcastle on the, on the shore where these huge waves are coming, you know, it's yeah. very vulnerable and yeah. um, exposed, but you have to come out of hiding. I like that idea of mm-hmm. waking the giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like it involves some sense of vulnerability to be doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I feel that necessarily at my work sometimes. Yeah. But the idea of, I mean, can you imagine not necessarily through the podcast, but, um, I don't know. I mean, he's he's asking for I something mean, a little bit different here, like creativity. Like, I mean, as small as it is, no small thing. I mean, your ASMR seems very brave to me in showing up because that's a real true creativity thing. And that's that's a very niche, strange thing to be doing. But obviously, I love it. You know that. <laughs> yeah. In our society, people are like ASMR. Yeah. Are they, though? I feel like people of my generation, generation are a little less yeah, judgy totally. of it. Um well, I remember even, and I'll cut this out if it doesn't, but I remember even your dad had said he'd been listening to our podcast pretty consistently and then hit your ASMR episode and was like, and was like super. Ah, yeah, I'm ah, like not no. into it, which I think makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. your stories, your art, your paintings, you know, these are. Yeah, I guess that is like when I'm like showing my most vulnerable self mm-hmm. and I do bring a creative side to work. Um, the podcast, I mean, reading that and like, that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm is is offer our, our whole selves to the audience and hope that there's people out there who yeah. it can be helpful for. Because this is very fun and interesting, but, like, the idea of us hosting an event is already terrifying it's to me. It's so scary. Yeah. Like, actually doing an Enneagram, yeah. like, workshop and us teaching it, it feels terrifying and yet also sounds so like... Fun. Exa- like so fun. And, like, I would die to prepare for it but my fear is probably a little bit different than yours maybe because i'm a little older and i've been up front a lot more i still get a little nervous but like my thing is more of a um ego thing like i'm afraid nobody's gonna show up 
and I'm the whole like already the only thing I'm thinking is like am I going to do an honoring job of like explaining this rich Enneagram thing and be able to bring these people out of the like media understanding of the Enneagram and like bring it to a holistic That's why I love partnering with you. I'm I'm like like, Macy's going to bring some high quality. This is like I'm like how can I I'm already nervous to not be honoring enough to the history of the Enneagram. That's what my nerves Uh, are on. (laughs) I'm not worried about that very much but that is that is I think that's the point of this book is like you learn (laughs) as you go like you you're going to do it and you're going to see that you did 10 times better than you thought and then also you had some blind spots that you can tweak. Right, right. You know but yeah, I mean, Macy and I may do an Enneagram workshop in February here in Seattle. I know. I think it, we'll start promoting it eventually if it comes true. I know. But yeah. Gosh. We're pumped. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Is this, is this it? Is this the end? <laughs> is this it? Are we done? I think that's it. I think we covered it. I think, I think that Everybody, was some thoughts. Is this helpful? <laughs> Did you like hearing our thoughts on vocation? Workshops, I hope you enjoyed careers? our more lighthearted energy for yeah, the end we, of this. This is the middle of the day. We have a little bit more lighthearted energy. I mean, sometimes maybe that's part of it. It's like the, uh, the environment we cultivate on our evening recordings is moody. <laughs> you know, it's candles, it's dark. And I, and I think we start off thinking this is going to be light and then we just inevitably just kind of start getting existential. Honestly. It just happens. Yeah. So, but when the sun is out, I said, I went to, I went to counseling today and it was like so bright and beautiful outside. I was like, this is a beautiful day. I'm having a nice counseling session. I know cause we, from where I have counseling, I, you can essentially see the entire Seattle skyline. And so <laughs> An I know. An idyllic place to have counseling. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know I'm going to show up probably next week and it's going to be just blackout and gloomy and foggy and rainy. And I'll be like, Oh, life is hard. I'm <laughs> sad. You know, it just, it just, it just impacts your mood. It does. It's a fact. Okay. Everybody. Thanks for listening to this. If you made it this far, we don't um, know what next week's episode is going to be. No, we don't yeah. know. If it, you have an idea, go ahead and DM us, uh, send us an, uh, uh, an email, maybe something intellectual or music. I had an, I had a big idea today that I really wanted to do and I can't remember what it was. Ah! <laughs> we'll find out. I already had the thought. I had, oh, this would be a good one. I, for some reason, I'm saying this playfully in a banter way, so just settle down. <laughs> <laughs> but I instantly had the thought of Macy's going to shoot that one down. I was like, oh, that I could do this. I'm Macy's going to shoot that one down. Which one? I don't know. I oh, forget the idea. I'm going to oh. think of it as we'll soon as see, we turn We'll see off. if I shoot it down. <laughs> I was like, oh, Macy's not going to do that one. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for I- listening, everybody. We've already done so many readings, so we want to have a blessing this week. Just a bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye.